Enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. <laughs> oh my God, that's Tim. <laughs> oh my God, that's Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together. We talk about a different movie from the horror genre, from your well-known classic, down to that rare gem that wants to know where the fucking bourbon is yes. at the back of your video store shelf. This week, we're back to our summer random series called Evil Dice Tonight, where... A 20-sided die picks the film we'll be doing. It won't always be a 20-sided die. We're going to... I got to shrink the list up. Yeah. Because I think we had... Was this last week where it was like we had to roll it five times? It felt like it, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, But yeah, we we got a list of movies. Random Chance picks the one we do next. Super exciting time. Uh, We both picked 10 movies. Of course, we both picked a nightmare movie. And of course, we're doing them like nearly back to back. (laughs) Which is fine. That's how random chance works. And the way random chance worked is this week it picked the Nightmare on Elm Street. A Nightmare the Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah. It is the only Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Yes. It's the Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. The Dream Warriors. Tim, what are your feelings on the importance of burials? <laughs> uh let's get to your uh, end of life ideas I, i'm just i'm just laughing at the idea of that being used as like a pickup line in a bar right. <laughs> so what do you want, what do you like, want yeah. done with your body yeah. when yeah. you're dead yeah. not tonight when you die whenever that might happen <laughs> right. not tonight right um but yeah. no um i used to well that that's funny you know that because that's one of those things that i think is a little bit outside of your mental or well, even emotional control when you're a kid, because chances are, if you were raised in a religious family, that those um, rituals are going to be not only just suggested, but like, well, you have to do this. Otherwise, you're not going to go on to this heaven or this afterlife or this thing or whatever. Um, so. In that regard, as a kid, it was it was always about being buried. Mm-hmm. But then I I kind of like just didn't like. I mean, gosh, if we're just going to really get into this, we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, I I understand that there is a difference between the the spiritual world and the physical world. Yeah. But no matter how you slice it, I just don't like the idea of decomposing you know i just (laughs) there's and i don't like the idea of anybody else decomposing like i just am against that pretty much all across the board and i know it's just nature taking its course and i know that if you or if someone believes in the the energy of someone or the spirit of someone or the soul um that that is that's no longer there it's it's just not even part of the conversation yeah i remember i had a a great aunt that was brain dead before she she was taken off of life support. And I remember my mom saying that she was gone at the moment that she was brain dead. Yeah. And as but I remember her telling me that as a kid. 
So I was thinking to myself, like, well, what do you mean gone? Yeah, like, she's pretty, still uh, alive. Heavy idea. Right. But she just said that she knew in her heart that she had she had left, that that what was laying on the bed in front of us was no longer her or her Aunt Mary or my great Aunt Mary. Um, and so that that took a little bit to process as like a seven year old. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but I, I think that I, I grew more towards the idea of uh, of cremation, especially since it's kind of aided by there being a, a native belief, not necessarily all tribes, but that the body has to be burned in order to be released. OK, so that makes it a lot easier to be like, OK, at least I'm not fucking up in that belief system, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, because that's some of them will scare you into it. Like Egyptians will be like, well, whatever we pack him with, he'll have in the next life. <laughs> right. Um, and then some people are even like, I'll admit, God, I hate to even say this out loud now. I, I've changed my mind on being an organ donor. Oh, um, because Uh-oh. I used to which to, way to, I used to not be. Oh, OK. <laughs> be, because of this fear. Right. Like, I don't want to, like, donate my arm and then be one of those guys in the next life that has. Yeah, one well, I'd arm. love to play catch, but. Yeah, right. <laughs> the program. Exactly. Yeah, right. So the thing is, though, is that I think that if you are a spiritual person and if you believe in that continuance of life. That it's kind of uh, counterintuitive to say that I need to hold on to that body part here. Right. So as I, as I started to absorb that and also the reality of if you know somebody or have a loved one who is in need of a transplant, that 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 argument probably gets pretty simple pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so it's probably kind of selfish to say that, uh, to say like, oh, you know, I, I don't want to be an organ donor. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I've, I've changed my mind on. And, um, now there, there are different options out there. I mean, it's not like either buried or cremation. Uh, like I've said before, my grandma was, was taken by the Neptune society to somewhere. Yeah. Um, they take the body and, and you, they don't really tell you where it goes. Sure. It's they, fine. they say again that there's that, like I've said before, that there's a coral reef uh, in the ocean that they use to like, kind of like a natural uh, mausoleum okay. that they just put the bodies into. <laughs> yeah. That's why that's where the name came from. <laughs> like, it's like, well, how, how are we going to put a, like an attractive spin on burying bodies <laughs> right. in undersea caves? Neptune. Um, but so there's that Hunter Thompson wanted to be blasted off into a rocket yeah, or in a rocket, his ashes. The one thing that I've always found a little strange, I have a, I had a friend who was cremated and then buried the, the ashes were buried in a cemetery. Okay. So I'm thinking that if you're cremated, like you would want to have those ashes, like in an urn in your house right. or whatever, but to, to cremate and then bury What's going on there? We did that with my grandfather. And then here's the next weird step. Because, <laughs> yeah, my both on my dad's side, both of his parents died pretty close to each other. So we essentially buried them at the same time. Oh, yeah. Uh, but they didn't die in an accident or ever. It was just one of those things where my grandpa was in the hospital. Then my grandmother passed away while he was in the hospital. And I think you know, it was one of those once he knew. He oh. was like, oh, cool. I don't have to hang around with these fucks anymore. <laughs> Um, but they were both cremated, but we did bury like a box, 
of my grandmother's ashes and then sprinkled my grandmother's ashes on top of that and then buried all of that. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that was their wishes I or need, what. I need uh, you to on. rewind real quick on sure. that. So th- cremated. Both were cremated. Then now is it was it the same for both? What cremation? The, the, well, I mean, like the whole kitten caboodle or was it just her that had the sprinkle? Just her. OK, his so, were in a nice box that we buried like a vessel. Yeah. In the ground. But his ashes were in there, not his body. Correct. Yes. She's also cremated. Yes. Also put into the box. No. She's oh, sprinkled she's, on top of the oh, box. You got a like spr- we scattered her ashes in his hole. You got a box. Okay, so one's boxed, one sprinkled. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm I th- sorry. I feel like I'm, if I felt out whose was whose, uh, most people could have figured out who got the box. <laughs> who got just sprinkled into dirt? I'm just I, I, I I'm Long not live the patriarchy. I'm not gonna say this out loud, uh, but I am. <laughs> but um, but I I mean I don't mean any disrespect, but it just it feels like just that like foot and a half long pepper shaker like <laughs> over the, over the grave, like just they win, just seasoning. <laughs> When they're all out, please. Thank you. Um, no, that's some. Wow. Okay. So and we all got a weird opportunity to like get a handful of ash. <laughs> Sprinkle it in. Well, now, did you find because I I knew uh, not not incriminating anybody. I knew somebody that had their parents ashes and would um, on a sort of annual basis, like interact with those ashes a little bit, oh, okay. like just kind of, you know, like look at them. Okay. Like it's not all powder. Like it's, there's a couple like bone fragments in there. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I have my cat's ashes upstairs, but I've never looked through them. I should sift through those. <laughs> right. Just get weed out just to get the good stuff. Like yeah, put them in like, like a, a powder necklace. sifter. Yeah. Like a flower sifter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just yeah, hey, making of, brownies. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Went from making biscuits to making brownies. Um <laughs> but no, that's wow. You uh wow, you had a cat cremated then. Yeah. I had a I had a stray cat cremated um that I just found like I knew I had fed it um just outside it lived in a drain pipe. Yeah. I named it Rocky. It was uh white and black. It was a gorgeous cat. And then I saw it get hit, or it had been hit and was on the, the road. And I got it off the road. I mean, he was still alive. And um, God, I, I just oh, haven't thought God. about that in a long Here time. Here we go. I, uh, <laughs> we took it to uh, a vet. And um, I'm, I'm like, this is just a stray cat. Like, they wanted all this information when we walked in. I'm like, this is just a cat I've been taking care of. And I feed it. And it's, it's a really good cat. And it got hit. And uh, I can't move. And, but it's still alive. And I, would just, I was looking for it to just put him out of its misery, you know, and then take care of it and cremate it. And they're like, okay. And I'm, you know, because here's me. I, I don't have a lot of, like, interaction with animals. Yeah. I'm doing, like. How old are you? Um, I was probably in my uh, mid-20s. Okay. And um, so I, here I was like feeling, I'm not that that's, this was the reason why I did it. I did it because I cared about the cat. But here I am like interacting with the animal pet world. <laughs> and then they're like, that'll be $90. I'm like, wait, whoa, <laughs> no, you're, you're missing the point here. Like this is me being like an angel on this earth and doing a really good thing. Like 
don't you guys like animals here? Like, isn't this the, am I in the wrong place? Like I just expected them to be like, that's very sweet. We'll put the cat out of its misery and we'll do whatever with it. Burn it, bury it in the backyard or whatever. Um, But yeah, I paid 90 bucks to bury that straight cat. Yeah. Um, I like how my cat cremated because I kind of felt cornered into it. And you know, it was my cat literally just died. Like we knew she was going to die. She had some appointments set up. And then like that morning she was, I was like, this, this thing is done. Yeah. And I called them. I'm like, I know I've got an appointment on Monday. Where we were going to kind of check up on her, but I don't think she's going to make it. And they were like, okay, bring her in. And she like died pretty much on the, like right when I got there. And so then they like took her in the back and they were like, well, we've, we can do the, you know, we've got like the service for it. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And then I was, I'm leaving. I'm like, if I just waited five more minutes, that cat would have died in my car. I would have turned around yeah, and gone home, just buried it myself. Oh. Now I'm like, but that at the in the moment, I'm like, yeah, that does sound nice. Yeah, <laughs> like, fuck. Now I got a box of dirt sitting in my living room. What am I going to do with that? Well, you're going to sift through it now. <laughs> yeah, now that I know there's treasure Dude, in there. This is terrible, but it's like it just goes to show that if your life is too hectic, maybe you shouldn't have pets. I knew somebody that had gotten a kitten, and this was a person that like their life was kind of a mess as it was at the time. And it's like, then you hear like, Oh, so-and-so got a a cat. And it's like, that's the last thing that they need. (laughs) Like they need to hold the job. They need to pay their bills. They need to just like survive. And um, so they got this, this kitten and it's, it's the saddest thing. Like the, the, apparently one day they were leaving for work. They go to close the door. The cat had gotten halfway in and out of the door closed the door on the cat then it went into like seizures and like shit itself and died oh god and it's that like my worst nightmare is closing a door on my yes cats. and then it'll kill it by the way that now sure. i know that it's it's <laughs> truthful and um but it's like like we all knew it from the get-go like this is it i could have probably said you'll probably close the door on the fucking thing and that's exactly what happened but um, yeah, no, I, uh, getting back to what I would want or are my feelings on it. Mm. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to, you know, throw my hat in the ring on the cremation. I'll, I'll go for that, but I don't need the, like, I don't need the, the double duty. Like if whatever you're going to do with the ashes, you know, um, that's fine with me. I don't, f- I don't feel like there's, uh, it's burying the ashes. I guess I'd want to be like on a table somewhere. <laughs> right. I'd want, I want that. Still the center of attention. Sure. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Maybe like a flashing neon sign (laughs) above me, you know, with an arrow pointing down. Uh, Maybe like a a stream of like a 20 minute video of like edits of me, you know, just running 24 hours a day. (laughs) But no, I think, I think that's what I would want. I don't, I just, I guess I'm four square against the burial. Although I will say this. We live in Indiana, and did you know that this is like fucking Casket County, USA? All the caskets in the world come from us. Oh, really? Batesville. Yeah, Batesville, Indiana. Like, I mean, I'm not saying all of them, but like we are the main supplier and creator of caskets. I've looked into hauling them. How hard could they be to make? Well, I don't know. There's some those wood ones. Like, you would think that anything wooden is going to be less than another substance or whatever. Yeah. I'm sure there's, like, titanium ones that are a million dollars. But it's the wood ones that are really expensive. Yeah. And there's some, I'll tell you, outside of the circumstances, a, a beautiful-looking piece of furniture. Yeah. 
Um, if you, I don't even know what you would call it. It's not really furniture. <laughs> like, I guess it is. I mean, it's kind it's, of a bit, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, there's some beauties out there. Um, so I think that it's a neat profession. Yeah. I think that, uh, but yeah, you, I'm sure they've been hurt by the, uh, the popularity of cremation. Oh, well, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know, but you don't see a lot of like, TV commercials for caskets. So, <laughs> well, yeah, no, I don't think that's something you do get. The I don't mother- think that's something they want you to think about. It's like my cat, where they want to get you in a moment of grief, and oh, then are like, yeah. "Well, if you really did love the person, it's a very predatory business, in my opinion." Where they're like, "Oh yes, yeah. here I know you're grieving here," and it's like that scene in the Big Lebowski after uh, um, Donnie dies. Yeah, and they, you know, are trying to get something because he had no family, so they're cr- trying to get something arranged, you know. And he's like, "This is this is five hundred dollars," and he's like, "It's our most moderately priced receptacle." <laughs> and he's like, mm. "And they just go get a coffee can and put his body in that." <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, they, yeah. We we like this coffin casket model, and we also have this timeshare where if you <laughs> truly loved your exactly. your aunt, yeah. <laughs> but no, that you're right. That's that makes a good point that they want to get you. Uh, Might be seven hundred dollars. I know there's going to be people like, "Ow, do you even like that movie?" <laughs> right. Actually, <laughs> um, so. Yeah, no, I I think that caskets are beautiful, um, but I, yeah, I don't have any, and I don't even do the whole thing where some people are like, like, I don't want to take up any more space or the environment or or whatever. There's, because I actually uh, really enjoy walking through graveyards or cemetery. I like to call them graveyards, Um, but I I love walking through those. I raised my daughters as babies in one. Um, That's where we went for all of our stroller walks. That's where we walk. Even as toddlers, we'd walk around. I mean, they'd take like the keepsakes off of people's graves and I'd have to be like, oh, shit, which one did you pull that (laughs) off of? Um, (laughs) So sorry, everybody. But um, but yeah, but it was a fun, safe place for to to raise kids. And um, during the day. Yes. You wouldn't take them there at night. No, no. Dead wander freely. (laughs) Right. But I would go with a friend of ours during the day, also during the day, and play some Frisbee golf. Because if you want built-in targets, like they're all over the place. (laughs) Um, So, And I feel like we're celebrating them. That's what I feel like. We're having a good time. Just imagine, like, your husband's been dead. It's the one-year anniversary. The guy's (laughs) like, do you mind if I play through here? (laughs) Right. Exactly. I told you about that one. That was uh, where the dude had his bowling scores put on the back. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. This guy has like 15, like the whole face of like a good normal size um, headstone covered in his bowling scores. But here's the thing. Like, wouldn't you only want that if all of them were 300? Like, why would you put anything less than a 300 for like, you know, sure, it was 180, but I met my wife on that day. So that score, right. I was distracted. They're like, well, that's actually uh, 56 letters. You've taken up the whole space by just explaining that one score. <laughs> like, maybe that's just the only one he has on there. But just the explanation. No, it was great. Um, there was a guy that we used to say had a uh, that he was like the ultimate like Terminator, like jack off guy because his name was Otto Risto. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, <laughs> we had fun with it. Um <laughs> But it's a good time. No. Hey, so do I enjoy graveyard cemeteries now? Yes. Uh, Do I want to be cremated now that we're on public record here? Yes, please. I'm going to go with the cremation. 
Cremation, yeah. but yeah, keep me around. Wherever you want to put me. Yeah. I'd go with cremation. I like the idea of there's like a thing where you can. I don't know if they. I'm assuming they cremate you first, but you get buried like with a tree and then your remains nourish the tree well, as it grows. Luke Perry got buried in the mushroom suit. There you go. Oh, yeah. I'm all about that. Yeah. So it's actually like this. They put you in the suit and they bury you kind of shallow uh, yeah. compared to most burials. And then you like grow, give you're part of this mushroom yeah. garden. But you don't like you don't like that idea. Well, I th- that's some serious decomposing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But and it's we're quick. About, yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know, you put someone in a box. And then, yeah, it takes forever for them to not that it's an inconvenience to anyone. Uh, I don't know. It just feels like a really weird cultural thing to do to me. Well, you can have a little fun with the body first, right? Let's just be honest. I'm already gone. (laughs) When was the last time somebody was drawn and quartered? (laughs) You know, go ahead and tie me up <laughs> just for science. Yeah, yeah what does that right. really look like? Have a little fun. Yeah, have a party. You know, have some friends over. Bring some. You know, BYOB and and the to the drawn and quartered party. Um, for those of you that is don't BYOB know, BYOB is that bring your own body. Yeah, right. If you want to do more than one. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, we've got the horses all day. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Like, even if you just want to, like, well, we've got some ponies if you just want them to tug on you a little bit. Um, but no, that would be you've uh, lost a child. Yeah, we've taken we've got a couple of those for the kids. We've got those horses that are at the fair that just walk in a circle in like 95 degrees. All the God do I feel for those oh, horses. They love it. I'm not even. Did you say they love it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm sure they yeah, do. They love it. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. If ever I was going to like I I go out of my way to not commit crime anymore. Good. But if I were to, I'd free those. And I'm not even an animal. I mean, I'm I guess I like animals just like we've talked about on the show. I don't haven't had a lot of exposure, but I'd I'd risk jail to let those fucking horses go. Wow. Because they look sad as fuck. Yeah. That you want to talk about a broken spirit. Would they even be able to run away? No. Yeah. They'd probably just keep walking in the circle. Like, this is the only thing I know. Yeah, right. <laughs> Where will I go? Yeah, exactly. As I'm getting handcuffed, like you dumb fuckers. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I, there, there's no <laughs> there's no segue from that into Nightmare on no. Elm Street 3. Um, but uh, but you want to talk about it? Yeah, let's talk. OK. About it. Because there's a there's a funeral in this. movie. Yeah, there it's you a go. Burial. That's it. No. Yeah. Bringing it all back around. I don't know if you were awake for that part. I was a little worried as you were telling me the parts where you started to nod off. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. I'm like, that's a my ce- question. I'm like a scene about eternal sleep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. But uh, you've seen this before. I have it's seen not this you movie. You bet you. I saw this in the movie theater. Yes, absolutely. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So this is a Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors from 1987. Let's do the Wikipedia fakes. And then uh, Tim will tell us all about the movie. Mm. This was uh, written as a tight core of (laughs) written by four fucking people. (laughs) But some good names. Wes Craven, Frank Darabont, uh, Bruce Wagner and Chuck Russell. It was also directed by Chuck Russell. It stars Patricia Arquette. Heather Langenkamp and Robert Englund. It had a budget of four million, box office of forty-four million. Man. So this was a big hit. Let's do Nan Sum, then we'll get into spoilers. 
One night, now here I do have to say <laughs> it's spelled Kristen, but several times they say Kirsten. There's a reason for that. I'll get into. Oh, that there is. Later. Okay, yeah. perfect. Okay. Should I say Kirsten? No, you should say Kristen. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. Are you a purist? If you're, yeah, no, let's go with Kristen. All right. One night, Kristen Parker dreams she's being attacked by Freddy Krueger. The wounds he inflicts imply Kristen has tried to unalive herself, and she's sent to the Weston Hills Psychiatric Hospital for observation. Learning all new terms from TikTok, Tim. I see You that. say unalive now. Oh, boy. There she meets a menagerie of teens plagued by the same nightmare she endures. But as luck would have it, their new therapist is none other than Nancy Thompson, the sole survivor from Freddy's inaugural killing spree. Nancy soon learns that the man she thought she ended has returned to claim the last lives of the surviving offspring of his murderers. And she tries to teach the troubled youths how to harness their own powers within their own dreams. But Freddy seems to be stronger than ever. Will Nancy be able to protect the kids long enough for them to avoid their deadly fate and rise to become a Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, the Dream Warriors? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, this one is uh, this is a uh, fragile one. This is um, this is some uh, high value cargo here because we're talking about what is arguably the uh, to some the only other good film in the series, not to everyone. Right. But it's a lot of people's number two. Now I read out there, there are people that are putting it at number one. These I could see that I, I could understand that. I think some of that might be a little bit uh, generationally imposed, yes. um, but here's what's going to happen. I do have to go to the bathroom real quick. I'm going to get, I'm going to get, I'm going I'm to get this one out of the way quick. But what I want to, what <laughs> I want to ask you is, well, first of all, I'll ask you before I go, you had seen this movie before getting ready for oh, yeah. the show. Okay. So just give me, before I jump into all the boring stuff, give me a bit of a response of what you thought this movie was and then what you discovered it to be the second time, even if that is the same thing. Uh, like what your impressions were the first time, and then you came around to watch it again. Did it live up to what your initial gotcha. impressions of the movie? Uh, well, yeah. I, I mean, I'll start by saying, yeah, this might be, you know, it's definitely my number two. I could make a case for it being my number one, but I also kind of grew up with the franchise and recognize what the first one means and 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 what it did and things like that. And it's uh, they're two very tonally kind of different movies uh so it's hard it's hard to really pick a side on that uh but i'd probably seen this one the most out of all of the nightmare movies i own all of them uh except for the remake i don't know if i own new nightmare or not now that i think about it um but i do i there you know they released a dvd box set back in the day with all of them uh the spine of each movie you know together forms freddy it's great um so I mean, going into this, I knew what to expect. There were some things I had forgotten about the movie. I hadn't seen it in a while. Like the the mute guy, totally forgot that guy even existed. Oh, really? Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. Um, well, that's okay because they totally forgot that his uh, teardrop tattoo existed in the right, first scene. Dude, what happened third? to that? No, absolutely okay. nothing or everything. But I'm glad I forgot about it because um, what a nice surprise with the fucking one of the hottest women we've covered yet getting fully naked. Oh, you like that nurse? Tim. Ah, She's a little thin lipped. Get the fuck. (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, so, okay, uh, so, so yeah, what was I expecting? I don't know. I I don't think that. No, I mean I've seen it enough times to where I didn't really get anything new out of it, even though it's been a while since I saw it. But you didn't have any sort of either. Like one way or the other, like let down, like, oh, crap, this isn't as good as I thought it was. Or, oh, wow, this is way better than I remember it being. Uh, No, okay. it was about the same. Uh, I will say <laughs> some of the performances were worse mm. than I remember. I guess if you really want to, if you're looking for something. Sure. That's something I can definitely say. <laughs> Our leads are awful. Uh, I think the kids were good. Yeah. Some better than others. Um, But I thought that generally the kids were good actors um yeah nearly every ancillary and supporting character is really good and some of them great some of them great yeah um so okay so yeah let's let's get into a little bit of the the nuts and bolts and then we'll get into those those feelings about um i mean tim i just have this note i did take notes i'm sorry yeah, I take no, notes. Yeah, I, no, I love it this just says god damn <laughs> And yes. I know what that note refers to. Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you. Have you heard of uh, the new term, the giat? No. Okay. So that's oh, where. God damn. Well, yes. Like that? So that okay. it's short for that. So it's for for asses. So when you ah. see like a nice big fat ass, yeah. you're like giat. Yeah, I got you. So it's well, my, it was the eighties. We my daughter just focusing told me about on asses. So this lady, not the. Yeah. Not the ass we've come to appreciate today, but no, everything yeah. else. Yeah, you're right. No, it's, yeah, and that's a weird thing. We've talked about that before. Like, the 80s were all about weird, like, small, tight asses. And it's yeah. like, what the fuck was yeah, anyone like, thinking? Oh, look how flat that is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know why I find that appealing. <laughs> I feel like in the future, like, I'm going to be straightened out about this whole thing. Right. Um, but yeah, so we've got, yeah, as you mentioned, a litany of writers. Mm-hmm. Most of whom we we've heard of. You might not be familiar with uh, Bruce Wagner, other than he is uh, Rebecca De Mornay's husband. Oh, so that counts for a lot, actually. Lucky guy, yeah. Um, and then Chuck Russell, the director. Now, here's an interesting fella. He directed The Blob. Uh, he directed The Mask. Oh my God! And he. Uh, oh, <laughs> is that a? Okay. Yeah. 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 Lips are sealed. <laughs> and but what's really exciting, and everybody can be in on this. Oh, the mask he did. I yeah. The mask. He is the one that is helming as we speak the remake of Witchboard. Oh God. Pack up the car and head back up to Big Bear. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot fucking wait for that remake. Um, only because it can't lose. It's either going to be like the same and hilarious in the way that Witchboard is hilarious, right. or it's going to be great. Like it's going to improve it. And you're like, Oh, this is the Witchboard we've always wanted. Yeah. Or, you know, could have had, uh, I don't know how it could be worse. Um, but there had better be a scene where there's like an executive in the toy company that is like a Satanist and is using yes. his harmless toy Ouija board. To actually <laughs> let loose demons in the world. That I could get behind. Yeah, right. Because, yeah, Parker Brothers have a lot to answer for. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, th- so there's, there is that. And then um, you've got, of course, you got Frank Darabont in the, in the mix there. That guy also worked on The Blob. Uh, he did a movie called Shawshank Redemption. You might have caught that, like, hungover on a Sunday on your couch before. 
um, the Green Mile. Why are you saying it like that? Because it's always fucking on. Oh, okay. Like it's like it's great. Oh, it's great. No, okay. I love the movie. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying it it gets a lot of fucking airtime. And it always seems like it's on on like just a quiet, like lazy Sunday afternoon. Are um, you a person that watches live TV? I used to like be. Like you turn on like a channel? I used to be. Wow. I didn't Not even know that. TV worked that way anymore. Other than like like we've uh, figured out before, other than Riverdale on the CW, right? Uh, no, other than that, no. Okay. Um, he also did. Now, I just I just wrote this down not because it's any of any significance. Other than I think it's a better movie than than um, is the attention that it it has received since. But the Salt and Sea with Val Kilmer, oh, yeah, and um, what's his name? Uh, the guy from uh, the Cell. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes. Thank you. Um, did you ever see The Sultan Sea? No. It's really good. I heard it was good. Um, and then, of course, he was also part of a television show, speaking of TV, called The Walking Dead. Um, he kind of developed that whole thing. Yeah. Um, that didn't obviously Until they come kicked up with, him off of it. Yes, you're right. Shoved him out. Yeah. And people still celebrate it. To, they're like, wow, still the same quality. Still is good. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Hasn't run its course and is almost a living metaphor of just a dead shambling thing that refuses to die. Maybe in the next season, Rick will actually look at somebody when he's talking to them. You never know. Like strange things could happen. Oh yeah. No, yeah, but I mean, left. yeah, it never really, no, we're up. waiting for him to come back, but yeah, that, I'm not, that never I don't really watch that show, but I do know there's like, uh, kind of around the time Nancy stopped watching, there was an introduction of a character named Negan. Oh, sure. Oh. Awful. Just the way he brutally murdered members of this group. But now I'm watching, like, I'll see, like, coming up, the new season. It's like he's palling around Absolutely. with Absolutely. I'm like, what? And that's from the comic book, though. Like, that was always oh, okay. meant to be. Right. Yeah, that was. But it's hard to. Yeah, I mean, he really beat the fuck out of those guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. When the one of them says, suck my nuts. <laughs> like, well, what an awesome last thing to say to somebody who's about to kill you. Um, or, or somebody that's alive and likes you, right. uh, yeah, <laughs> right. I, yeah. <laughs> it works. Hopefully way. not in that tone <laughs> right. and inflection. Yeah. yeah. Suck my nuts. <laughs> um, so Wes Craven never wanted a franchise for the nightmare. Um, well for the nightmare movie. I mean, he, he made a movie. He did not want a franchise. Yeah. And then part two was made. Now I, I get it. I, I'm not going to be blind to the Recent cultural significance to part two and it's um, sort of like uh, legacy. Yeah. Legacy, gay overtones. Some would say undertones, really more overtones. (laughs) And but but at the end of the day, if we're just if we're if we're taking that aside, we're just talking about the next movie from the first one. An absolute just shameful decline in in quality of film. Yeah, Um, it's it was just. It didn't have any of the charm. You want to talk about breaking rules. Um, Freddie just shows up at the fucking pool party. Yeah. Like, hey, you're you're all like. For, well, I, because he's he's already bust out of the kid, though. He's manifested himself. I suppose. Yeah. But um, but yeah, why you couldn't figure that out through the course of the first well, one? I, we'll talk about that. Well, There's yeah. a lot of once you start thinking about the rules of these movies. Mm. I don't know how it's maintained its popularity with myself for sure. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, you're kind of the bar for rules in horror films. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's a, that's an horrible spot. Anytime stabbed and reacts, I'm like, what, really? Yeah. <laughs> why? <laughs> right. <laughs> um. Yeah, he's just, yeah, it's kind of like Matrix, like, you know, is that really air you're breathing? (laughs) Like, 
Um, but anyhow, oh, so unfortunately, Tim and I just watched The Matrix, <laughs> and Lawrence Fishburne's in this. I feel like it's going to come up a yeah. lot. This is the first nightmare Matrix mashup <laughs> podcast you've ever heard, but it'll be good. They're both great movies. Um, so this was Excuse when, me. as a result of him not wanting to be uh, have a franchise for Nightmare. But seeing to, and he couldn't stand to, so that was his motivation to get involved with three. Yeah. So he that's when he writes his meta script that we talked about when we covered New Nightmare back mm-hmm. in 87. This was that moment. So they rejected that script. Um, and also, he wasn't even available to, to direct. Lord knows what else he was directing, but it's kind of a no-name movie. Uh, so you've got these other guys kind of like swooping in from the flank, uh, namely John Saxon and Robert Englund with their own scripts. Oh, now John Saxon wrote a you're script. goddamn right. He did. Fuck and yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a great actor, better actor than a writer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or speaker just in general. But um, but yeah, he's uh, we love the guy as an actor, but. Um, there were people bringing in ideas of like the Manson family being involved and all kinds of crazy stuff between those two guys. It it was just, it was just a little goofy. Um, so obviously those were kind of cast aside. Um, but there, they Craven did write the script for it. He wrote a full script for it outside of any of these other three guys. But the problem was, is that they thought that the script was a little too dark. So they took elements of it, but not the whole script. Part of one of the things that they that they thought about was or that they liked in his script was his idea that Freddie had grown too strong for just one opponent. You know, there couldn't just be a Nancy. Right. That it had to be a group of kids because he had gained the strength. Now, let's think about that for a second. Somebody out there is like, gain strength. I thought he died in the first one. (laughs) Well. Did he? I mean, if there had been in the first movie a setup of like a, you know, a rule, like yeah. if he doesn't have his sweater on, <laughs> you have, you know, smited him, you know, like yeah. he is he is powerless. He draws his power from his hat. Right, exactly. Or like, you know, that there's some nether region alternate dimension yeah. that if we send him He's there. He's like Thanos. You get the glove off of him. Right. He's just a scary looking guy. Exactly. <laughs> But they don't set up any of those rules. So what do we get? We get kind of like a reasoning for her to, you know, say, okay, I'm going to turn my back on it. She's remembering what her boyfriend told her. And then we get what ultimately ends up being sort of a a pretty light show (laughs) as he sort of falls into the mother. It's it's kind of like a little light bright, like, you know, like and and what maybe is happening there is not that he's dying at all it's that you bear in mind he was alive he was a human he went into the dream world somehow became a dream demon and then got pulled into our reality so maybe all that happened at the end of one was that he just went back to the dream world exactly which is where he thrives by the way (laughs) like that's his best place most favorite place to be um and uh and who knows like he never necessarily in that first movie wanted to be in our world. No. Like, why wouldn't he just stay there where he's got all these powers? Yeah. Um, so anyhow. Yeah, he didn't go willingly. No. And so the the thing is with this sequel, the, what I'm getting at here is that, you know, it's okay to say that Freddy is still an entity uh, by the time. We, and I'm sort of forgetting about two. Like, I'm just going straight to three. 
Um, so yeah, they needed to have this group of teens, these group of young people. That's a part of Craven's script that they really liked. And so he kind of came up with this thing that was sort of like close encounters of the third kind, which was that there were going to be these teenagers who didn't know each other, but they were all going to be drawn to this place to kill themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, because that's, that's a party. (laughs) I mean, I've, I've been to some parties that you would think from an outside perspective that that's what we were trying to do, but yeah, not intentionally. But anyway, they were like, they were like, Wes, you know, like that's, that's a little much like this suicide thing. If we focus on it, but they wanted to have elements of it. And they kept a few elements that I think work well enough. Um, Interestingly though, the hospital that they go to Weston Hills, the mental hospital is actually in Friday, the 13th, the game. Uh, on the, I don't know what game system that was, but Tommy goes to the Weston Hills mental oh, uh, facility. So All that's right. kind of fun there. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, so they they kind of abandon this, like all the kids are trying to commit suicide in one place, but we do like the idea of them, you know, having struggles with that. And so we'll just put them together in the same mental facility. Yeah. So that's that works. Um, and then there was supposed to be this whole bit about Freddie's childhood home acting as a, a sort of portal uh, between places, but they just kind of abandoned that, yeah. which I think is a good idea because there's that iconic Nancy house. Mm-hmm. You don't want to lose that. No. that's And we even have a house in town that looks almost fucking identical to it. I can show it to you. Oh, yeah. And it's it's just creepy. To, I hum the theme every time I drive past <laughs> it. Um, but, uh, Was it the one on Elm Street? Uh, it's not on, it's, oh, okay. cl- it's just off of Elm street, Ooh. which is funny. But, um, so and of course in this treatment, um, Wes's Freddie was, um, more non-vocal. Uh, and when he was, he was more vulgar. He was scarier, just like you would think he would be just like somebody probably should be if they're being designed and furthered by the guy that created them in the fucking first place, mm-hmm. who should be the one in charge of their development. But as we all, as we've discussed before, Wes had signed away his rights to, to anything um, re- regarding any sequels. So he was never able to really call the shots in order to get the first one made. He gave away all those rights. Yeah. So, you know, he, he could be shot down at, at any turn. So now you've got Chuck Russell as a director. Now I'm going to read this quote. It's kind of a long quote, but I want you to, I want you to hear it. Uh, it says, um, it reads, I looked at what Wes Craven did and said, this is absolutely great and terrifying. But I felt that by the time I came along on three, the way to go was to make a whole idea of dreams and nightmares into a carnival and go further into the dreams and make Freddy Krueger more outrageous and add more elements of dark humor. That worked, and the series went in that direction from then on. Yeah. End quote. So that's basically him saying, like, yeah, this guy came up with this perfect fucking idea. I came along and turned it into a goddamn farce <laughs> and just absolute circus that lost all of the any elements of terror or fear and just turned it into uh, a stand-up routine of one-liners. Yeah. And I'm not saying that... that uh, I mean, there wasn't he, some fun to be had. Yeah, there. he I might not it. have known how bad it was going to get, you know. Well, that's true, because I guess in this one, if we're to, I mean, here we are talking about part three. Yeah. So we have to be fair to part three in a vacuum. And that is. I guess you're right. I mean, he's got his one liners in this certainly more than the first movie. Yeah, because oh. they're kind of funny, but still 
menacing. I mean, the, yeah. you know, when you, it, cause I doubt, I doubt we'll ever do, this might be our last nightmare movie. I, I can't ever seeing wanting to do four or five. I could see an argument for six just because of what it is. And for Freddy versus Jason, just for some fun. But as far as just pure Nightmare on Elm Street movies goes, this might be our last one. So, you know, you have future movies where, like, there's one with a deaf kid, right? And, and like, this kill, like, this whole sequence has always bugged me because it's that kind of shit where it's, Freddy is, so the kid is deaf, right? Yeah. And his dream he can't hear. And so Freddy is behind him, like fucking around like making faces and like jumping around and i'm like that that's only for me right that's for me the audience not for that kid yeah that kid has no idea that's going on yeah either yeah and and to assume that it's anything different is to assume that in addition to killing children freddie has a severe mental disorder (laughs) (laughs) because why in the fuck would he do that right you're exactly right it makes no sense and Oh God, you're so right. And it, 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 I'm going to let you, did you, but it, well, yeah, I was just gonna, but in this movie, I mean, you get, you get a little bit of that. Like you get, you know, this movie kind of introduced like kills within the context of the characters. If you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Uh, because like in our first one, you know, I just killed this girl in her room, you know, yeah. The guy hanging himself in the jail. I mean, that's more specific to what was available to him at the time. Which you know, makes sense. Yeah, it's not. It's not like that was a part of his character. You know, like his character is always in jail, so he died in a jail. Well, you know? I'll, I'll give you that. now. I, I I'll, I'll concede on that. Like, I think that the first one is more grounded in. I don't want to say quality, but I think it. It's. I think it's a little bit I'm just trying to think of anything other than better. Um but it is I think that it's that a that a crime that exists or a murder that exists with the tools at hand is scarier or sure. more in the moment than something that's a little bit more propped up like that. But that's not to say that there is an entertainment value in the other one. Right. So I'll go with you. Which and- is what makes these kills interesting in this movie without them being stupid, like some of the other ones are. Right. Sure. So, because in this movie, all the characters have very specific quirks or things about them, you know, uh, even though they all kind of share the same. We're all in a institute, a psychiatric institution. You know, you've got, Oh, this person dreams of being an actor. This person dreams of being a punk rocker with, (laughs) you know, safety pins on their jackets. This person, you know, uh, is a D and D fan, even though he's, you know, he's restricted to a chair, but in reality, he's like, he feels more powerful than anything, you know? So the line, just the line, I feel I wrote this in my notes. The welcome to primetime bitch changes everything. Oh, that's a good point. It adds the bitch in. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. It's a great line. It's kind of that whole sequence is. Are you going to the bathroom again? <laughs> oh, my God. What the fuck is happening? Um, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, sorry. I lost track. Of what I was saying. Oh, OK. So that whole sequence is, I mean, even. It, it felt the same watching it now, but the first time you watch it where uh, it's a little surprising because you, you've got that Zsa Zsa Gabor interview with Dick Cavett 
so to get those two is kind of fun. Uh, and then Dick Cavett turns into Freddy and kills Zsa, Zsa Gabor, which in itself is kind of funny, but also kind of scary uh, within the context of what if you were just watching that and that happened and you're young and you don't know what's happening. Um, so then for the act, the girl who wanted to become an actress then actually picked up by the television and shoved like her whole goal was to be on TV. <laughs> well, you were in TV at least, but you know, we laugh about it now, but at the time you're like, Whoa, okay. Yeah. Like this all makes sense. This is all good. And they kind of continued the, you know, contextual kills to our characters in the subsequent sequels. But unfortunately we really doubled down on the, Welcome to primetime, bitch. You you make a great point, and I I think that I I and by you making the point, I'm actually coming around to it a little bit more. And that is, what did we say about? God, I don't even remember what episode it was, but we were talking about the different serial killer or uh, the different killers in these movies, these slashers in particular, and like their levels of enjoyment and killing. Yeah, and Freddie was at the absolute fucking top. Yeah. Because this guy's having a great time. Right. And these types of kills are what made us, made him who he is. Yeah. And, and, and maybe that's a part of it that I shouldn't, shouldn't so quickly dismiss. Because there's a lot of, I can't believe I'm saying this. There are a lot of types of killers like Freddy Krueger in the first film. In other slashers. Yeah. Kind of doesn't say very much you know, cloaked in shadow. Nobody's really like Freddie, but the, the sort of uh, MO of him has been seen in slashers from the beginning of time. Yeah. This, I guess, I, again, I can't believe I'm saying all this stuff because I love that first <laughs> one so much. And I love the fact that he's kept, you know, in, in that he's so restrained in the first yeah. one. But I guess what we're getting at here is that the welcome to prime time bitch is really Freddy coming into his own. Yeah. The birth of what what became or what we know as Freddy Krueger loving to kill people and having a great time doing it. That maybe it almost had to happen. All the effects in that sequence look fucking awesome. They the arms do. Out of the TV, the head as it comes out of the TV. Like, man, I just pine for shit like that. I can't, like, I never thought I'd be like, oh, I wish I could see something that looked plastic and kind of hokey. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? So good. It I know. Real. It looked real. And that's what I was thinking about during the scene with uh, our first kill. First contextual kill is the guy with all the marionettes, and then he is strung up by Freddy and led around. But it's a, we've already established he's a sleepwalker, so people don't pay any mind to it. It's a great setup. Uh, and then Freddy, you know, slices his his strings and he falls out out of the tower. Um, uh, what was my point? Uh, well, if we're talking about effects in that, if you want to talk oh, yeah, about yeah, that yeah. scene, then I was thinking about just the the puppet itself. Where it's kind of a faceless thing, and then it molds itself into Freddy, and then it hips, it hops down and is walking around. And I was like, obvious stop motion. Mm-hmm. Yet there is something about it, and it's it has to be because even though this thing is moving, where I'm like, I know how they did that. They just had a guy standing there, and they take a picture, and then they'd move it a little bit. Even though I know that's how that's done, it's still a physical thing. In the space, you know, as I know people harp on this all the time. I'm certainly not the first person to bring this up about how there is something 
our brain will recognize and accept more if I'm looking at something real or if I'm looking at something that's just on like a screen mm-hmm. or like or computer generated. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brain will accept the real thing far more than the even if the computer is able to generate a more visceral image or or a more fluid image. Sure. Uh, there's just something more human. Uh, about the stop motion and it looks good yeah well it looks good and keep in mind you're always protected now not that you should take advantage of this but you're always protected by the fact that we're living in a dreamscape in these movies right so you it it gives you license for days to be able to so if somebody is like oh that stop motion uh marionette looks cheesy or whatever yeah. like well it's a fucking dream well now we do have stop I motion in the cheesy. real world in this movie too though well that's true at the end yes we do and now those effects look bad yes the, the, the stop motion looks good but our ability to layer this one effect onto like a real scene yeah oh that looked bad and like the- it literally looked like they took a picture of the movie itself it was so bad. Yeah, it's bad. It's it's like and fucking Terminator came out in what year? That was uh, eighty. I think Terminator, that was eighty four. Yeah, eighty four. Yeah. So in three years, they made no progress. Right. Because when we see that Terminator at the end with doing the stop motion thing, like I, it looks better because it's supposed to be you know a robot yeah, or robot, whatever. Yeah. So <laughs> it kind of is is uh, more suited for that. But yeah, they, you're right. They didn't really come very far in that sort of effect. But in that room and in that kill. And especially when we see they do a really great job. Never, ever forget, never, ever um, lessen the importance of sound and editing uh, to to amp up what is just visual. What I mean by that is when they cut to the uh, the um, the character that is being led as a marionette. Yeah. When it's in the dream. We get this like uh, it's like an ultrasound heartbeat. It's like like this like heartbeat that's kind of like muffled and you get some um, some uh, score that's creepy and it's it's kind of terrifying. Yeah. Like, I mean, the effects are great. They're gross and it's really, really cool. And it is it's it has not yet crossed the line of cartoony. Right. And and it's very effective. And it's especially effective when you have like when he's standing up on the ledge and you're you're as an audience member, you're getting the fact that in reality, it looks like something else is happening. But, you know, but we see what's actually happening in the dream and then all of his friends yelling for him to not do it. It's it's actually it's it's pretty gripping. Yeah, it's, it's a, a hell of a scene. Yeah. Um. So I think that things were. Moving in the right direction, I think you make a great point when it was it wasn't the prime welcome to prime time bitch is not to blame. It's the doubling down that's to blame. Yes. Um because so, that was a great line. And I mean, I knew that line. I was in fucking elementary school when this movie came out. Yeah. And I knew that line. Yeah. Yeah, you knew what prime time was. <laughs> I yeah. knew what prime time was for sure. Yeah. If you don't know what prime time was, it was from seven to nine. Or if you lived on the East Coast, eight to ten, 
And it's when all the networks put their top shows. That's when every sitcom or drama aired. You don't. You know who didn't know who prime? What prime time was? You, uh, the actress <laughs> playing this role. Well, the character playing this role. Because I'm going to be nice and say unfortunate looking. Um, like for somebody that wants to be on TV, look, there's space for everybody. But I mean, yeah, I mean, she's like her only. Good looking people <laughs> pining to be on television. Like, <laughs> right. I'm just saying that you've got a cast of anybody. You've got a character. You've got you're a casting agent. Like you're looking for people that want to be on TV. Yeah. And maybe you'd pick somebody that would have some sort of physical reason to think that they might be able to be on okay. TV. <laughs> I, I don't really see that here. But um, but you know what? That's that's fine. Maybe that makes her even more endearing. Yeah. I, I actually don't mind her performance in this. No. That's the character of Jennifer, right? Uh, um, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the names I really thought really... I was going to remember. I like watching it, and I'm like, it's all coming back. Like, I'm going to remember all these kids' names. And I only remember the ones I remembered beforehand. Kincaid. Yeah. And. Uh, Nancy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You can't let go of Nancy. Um, no, you're right. It is uh, Jennifer. Okay. Um, and uh, Bryce, is he the first guy to go? Is that, was that his name? No, <laughs> that would be, um, that would be, oh gosh, did I even write him down? He was the, he was the bigger brother on, uh, in, um, oh, stand by me. Oh, if you wait. remember seeing him with his hair, like sort of slick back and by me. Yeah. The what kid, bigger brother. He's the um, he is. I think he is. He rivers. No, because that's um, fucking what's his face? No, uh, no. Um, no, not uh, the guy from 24. No. Yes. That, that's not his big brother. That's not. No. His big brother is the the guy is the guy from this movie. <laughs> Um, oh, okay. No, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Now that I'm thinking about it, yes. Outside right. of the store or whatever, yes. where like he's kind of like maybe lay off of him a little bit yeah. or whatever. Kiefer Sutherland is just a prick. Kiefer just Sutherland, to be a, thank just you. To be a prick. I could not think of his name. Um, but yeah, but yes, so he's you're from right. that. You're right. And and you're right, though. You made and it. It was point. a shame he died early because he's one of the better actors. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And and he was they they he made he had a, a great line uh, in group about that. We're going to just keep going with. Um, you know, minimal results with maximum effort. Like his just his part was written very well. Yeah. And and yeah, he was a nice guy to watch. But you you make a great point though that that this um ancillary cast is is great. There are some of those group therapy scenes that are pretty gripping, like um like there's something about seeing somebody restrained and fighting off something terrible happening to them that's very affecting. Yeah. And there's that scene where King, they, Kincaid is like, you ain't going to put me to sleep. I'm not going to go to sleep. And um, and it's it's really, really affecting. And, um, you know, despite the the high timbre of his voice. And um, <laughs> but no, so I actually high. like his voice now. I do. Now, when I went back and watched it, I liked it. But um, I mean, it makes sense why he imagines himself as a big, tough, strong guy <laughs> yeah, in the dream right. world. Exactly. True. <laughs> well, speaking of that, you would think in the dream world, he would have a booming, deep voice. Well, speaking of that, let's talk about the character of a uh, will. Okay. Who is the, the wizard guy, the D and D guy. Okay. Like, look, it's a dream. It's a dream world. You can be anything you want to be. And you choose to be like, I'm the wizard king. Like, what? 
Yeah, wizards famously not powerful. What's yeah. wrong with being a wizard? Famously unsexed, too, probably. Oh, like, I mean, get yourself... Not everyone some... has a one-track mind. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, get yourself some muscles. Get yourself some, like, like. don't you want to be, like, I mean, it, it, nothing against anybody in a wheelchair, but it's like, you could be a superhero. Like, you could be, I like, love your, like, I just don't understand why everyone in their <laughs> dreams doesn't want to be big and strong. <laughs> Right. Doesn't well, everyone I, dream of being a fighter? <laughs> well, I guess I guess if you I would good fair point. <laughs> fair point. But if you are in a wheelchair, like just aim higher, buddy. Aim higher than wizard. Like wizard's cool, but like um, you know, a just, wizard could kick a barbarian's ass. Well, yeah, but it takes a long time for but magic users are a lot more fragile until well, they, sure, they're yeah. more powerful in the long run if you keep the character and yeah. play them a lot. Yeah. My first character was a barbarian, but I switched to magic user later oh. on. Yeah. Um, and, and that's how I know magic users are worthless in the <laughs> well, beginning. Yeah, they can only wear cloth armor. Yeah. Um, but I did get my wand of Visiglobs, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> some people know what we're anyway, saying. <laughs> you want to be a tough guy? <laughs> right. Um, so there's that. Yeah. Like it's it's. um it's something to wear, like, even if there is a little bit of elements of of silliness there, I think that what makes this movie, because it did focus on a group, I think that what makes all or nearly all Elm Street movies so effective, if you ever just sit there and wonder, like, why do I like these movies so much? I think it all boils down to that collective, because for my money, in my nearly humble opinion, the best part of any nightmare movie is when the one person who knows starts describing Freddie and then you get the reaction of everybody else. Yeah. You know, like he wears a dirty brown hat and a red and green sweater and then it cuts to all these reactions. I have chills on my spine as I literally say it <laughs> right now. Like it, it's the best part of it that there is a group of people that are all involved with this they have this common enemy or this threat. And that's that's what makes these things so engaging. Yeah. It was kind of fun. Uh, Nancy watched this one with me. And she was like, it's never come up what he looks like before. <laughs> like, no one's ever described him before. Yeah, because he's pretty memorable in appearance. Yeah, and they're all yeah. like, how does she know? I'm probably from your case files. Every <laughs> single one of you. Right. Well, you know, that's the kind of funny thing about these movies in general is that and it, it might be to blame for their downfall. And that is. Think about Friday for a second. Friday did not. While there were slight variations, Friday did not take a detour from the camp until motherfucking part eight. <laughs> right. Eight. And so the fact that this these uh, this franchise is trying to go in so many different directions i think that i think that that's what they lost now they got it back here they lost it in two they got it they got it back here with the group of kids albeit in a mental institution that's fine but they're still the kids of elm street so i like that aspect um i'll tell you what i don't even know i mean if i sat down and watched them i'd remember but i don't even know how they connect some of these other people to elm street in like what a five or a six right, or whatever yeah. i literally don't remember because it's yeah because four is dream master and that's a girl who can control her dreams or something that, that's the one i really iffy on. i really meant to watch 
I was like, I'm going to watch them all so I can talk about them. Oh, wait. Now, there's the awesome one of the girl who absorbs the powers of her friends and like brother as they die. Uh, that might be that one. And there's that great moment where she's like mourning her brother. And there's that great song by drama Rama that oh, I'll give you anything, anything, anything. And she like picks up the nunchucks and all like, she's swinging around and then all of a sudden she just starts oh, yeah, going that's nuts right. with it. It's fucking badass. Yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah, that's a good one. That's the one with, um, the uh, there's like the nerdy friend of hers that Freddie I think squashes her head somehow, but um uh, I think that's the cockroach. The one. cockroach, the roach yeah, because there's one. the strong yeah. The kills from four and five I get confused. Yeah. I could like describe probably all of them, but I couldn't tell you which is which. There's the one he force feeds the girl. That's kind of gross. Like that's kind of like that. Uh, I feel like that's the direction they went. They were like, okay, we can get funny with it but we have to get really creative with the kills well like and the that, first movie is just yeah he's got a glove he'll kill you with it now sure. it's like he could do anything guy made me buy a business and then it tanked it and <laughs> yeah. i had to live in the gutter for a year and yeah. then i got bit by a rat with rabies and i died that way <laughs> right no that's you true. Got rabies now bitch yes <laughs> Ray, bitch. <laughs> uh, but uh, yes. No, I'm with you on that because here's the thing. And and never, ever forget that Freddy Krueger, as at least as intended, was a horrible, cruel, awful man. I know this because I myself have been killed by him. Oh. Um, and that, that I'll never forget it so long as I live. I could tell you exactly where I was when it happened in the dream. Anyhow. Yeah. And I, I now full disclosure. When I encountered Freddie in the dream, I very instantly said, I will help you do anything you want to do. Like, please don't kill me. I'll help you in any way that you see fit. Just don't fucking kill me, please. And that was my that was my uh, my way to survive. But at the end of the day, as is true with the movies, he kind of like you know, reneged on our deal and he stabbed me in the stomach. Wow. This was out in, in the dream. It took place out in front of my uh, elementary school. Um, but I felt like I felt that whatever stomach pain was happening in real life <laughs> to make me feel it in the dream. And I was like that fucker. Like <laughs> I would, I would, I would have done anything, you know, like my friends are cool, but I mean, all right, like I'll, I'll let a couple of them go, <laughs> right. you know? Um, but, uh, no, that was uh, that was the thing, and and that's the thing that makes him um, virile. I mean, that's the thing that makes him scary is that he that he could kill you, and that he is so cruel and so vicious. But I don't know. Was it an even trade? If if we keep that Freddy, we keep him scary. But if we're willing to switch over to this Freddy, then we get the fun. I don't know. Maybe yeah. as a kid when I was watching these. I remember really enjoying the fun. I'll say that. Sure. Well, when I was, you were a kid, right? Of yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and I it made it a little less scary. Yeah. Yeah. And so I probably like that. And now, as an adult, I'd I'd like to see a different universe where where things went differently. Yeah. Um. And but I, th I think this movie balances both very well unintentionally. I mean, it didn't it didn't know what was to come down the pipe, but but you know, we start doing. You know, we've got the quips. Freddie is too well lit in this movie for me. Like a lot of scenes where he's just in a bright room. Yeah. Which feels weird. It's nice to see him. But yeah. The makeup <laughs> but, looks great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, but he looks 
uh, incredible. Yeah, but it's not. But you're right. It's he's not scary. I mean, you want to go up to him and put your arm around him and be like, "Hey, like I'm glad you showed up. <laughs> right. Like, what are we gonna? What are we doing today?" Um, but you know, you're right. That's that's an issue. Now, some somebody that I think it will go ahead and get to this now. Uh, somebody that I understand if you did have an issue with, but I because of my forever pining cannot be biased against Patricia Arquette. Yeah. What are your thoughts of Patricia Arquette and her character in this movie? Um, I thought she was good. I mean, I, th- I thought the character was fine. She's like the least interesting or at least specifically interesting of the kids. I guess she has no gimmick. Which is fine, I guess. Other than pulling people into the dreams. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, she's got a cool power. That's true. But she doesn't have a definitive personality right. thing. Yeah. yeah, which is why she lives at the end. There's yeah. no way to kill her. <laughs> right. He's like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I like, uh, I mean, her performance is great. Uh, you know, at the end when... Uh, you know, when she's holding Nancy and crying, I was like, oh, yeah, she does. She's a good actress. She nails the fuck out of that scene. Yeah. And I was dreading having to talk about that <laughs> because I I get really, really that 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 line just wrecks me. Um, I Which I'm gonna, line? Uh, it's the um, it's the I won't let you die. I won't. <laughs> oh, God. Here he goes. I won't let you. I'm going to dream you into a beautiful dream oh, yeah. forever and ever. It's just a it is fucking nice. tearjerker. It just, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be uh, self-indulgent like that, but it is, it's a very, and she just, if she hasn't been perfect in the rest of the movie, she makes up for it in that moment. Yeah. It's very touching. Yeah. I mean, she's limited by a, you know, script. That's not the most right. thing I've ever heard in well, my life. If you want to hear it, it feels like it was written by four people. She was worried. (laughs) She was worried that she was going to be fired um, early on because she had trouble with her lines. And the funny thing is, is that the scene that she cites in retrospect about struggling with her, her lines was the intake scene. So when she's, when she's first brought into the, to the uh, mental hospital. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that the only lines that she has in that scene is the fucking nursery rhyme that everybody knows the Freddie, the one, two Freddie's yeah. coming for you. Oh. So it's like, if you're struggling with that, like, yeah, go back and get in your trailer. Yeah, that scene is pretty ADR. Dude, it felt like, yeah, too. I think they had to help that one. Quick tangent. Yeah. The nursery rhyme. Let's talk about the nursery rhyme. Yes. Who, great idea. Who not in real life. I know Wes Craven did. Sure. In the context of the world of this movie, who wrote that? Because um, it, it talks about sleeping, right? Yeah. It's don't go to sleep. So it's it wasn't written as some sort of warning amongst children about real life, Freddy. It seems to be just the dream, Freddy. Yet it surfaces the first time we see him. It's in the first movie, uh, right? I'm not wrong about that. No, no, no. You're, so well, you're... that would imply Freddy Krueger wrote it about himself and then has little kids sing it in the dreams that he creates. Well, that, that, or, wow, that's fantastic. You're right, because, because you're right. Let me just say this one thing real quick before I forget it, only because I know you're a fan of the novelizations. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) 
Like you're, I love how I described your life as abusive because of your lack of television uh, exposure in the last episode. But anyhow, you did like well, the no, you did like the novelizations. The little girl who inexplicably turns into a doll halfway oh through her God, scene. Yeah. Um, the little girl in the yellow dress with white lace, and I say that specifically because it's that specific in the book, was Freddie's very first victim. If you if you read the okay. novelization, that little girl, whatever her name may be, was that was the first girl he ever, he ever killed in real life. Okay, so I so going from that real life child killer, but you're right, the song is about never sleeping again. So the only other explanation is if the kids of Elm Street were being visited by Freddy at a younger age, maybe uh, he's just scaring them. Maybe he's toying with them. Yeah. So they're coming up with this this thing that they would all sing, not really taking the time to say to each other, like, where did you come up with that? <laughs> or like or to say, like, I, too, think that that is a catchy tune on account of the nightmares that I'm having. Yeah. Um, but no, you make a great point. I mean, yeah, you just created a great scenario where that happens, but I've never alluded that that happens no. at all. <laughs> no, but you're right. Yeah, nothing to really dwell on, but just no. as they were doing it, I was like, wait a second. Well, that you're right, though, because it's not generational. That is the first dream demon generation. Yeah. There was a, a, a generation. Well, I guess it was the same one, but of him actually killing people, but they are the, it wasn't like that's something that's been passed down and they forgot the origins. Right. They would have thought of it because it was happening to them. <laughs> right. Wow. That's really interesting. I didn't think about that. Um, but no, I think that, I think that Patricia Arquette does an interesting job. She has this funny thing that she does. Um, she, her family for a, not a short time, but for a couple of years, handful of years, lived in Virginia, but they're not from the South or anything. Um, Wait, who is this? Sorry. Patricia Arquette. Oh, okay. And if you see her talk in interviews, um, her she has kind of a nondescript accent, you know, yeah. Californian, if anything. But in movies, she seems to take on a sort of Southern, like a just a little lilt. And even yeah, in it's this a movie, softness, yeah, yeah. And um, it, I just I really enjoy her voice. I enjoy her accent. I um, you, my I grew up my mom having several boyfriends in fantasy, like um, her boyfriends were oh. uh, Robert Redford. Oh, okay. And, but I mean, and she, even in front of my dad yeah. would, would refer to him as such, sure. like that's my boyfriend. So I kind of took on that tradition or, or whatever. So she's always been one of my girlfriends. Like I've loved Patricia Arquette from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, certainly cemented by true romance. Um, but so I, I just think that she's, very endearing to look at. I love that snaggle tooth that she's got. Mm -hmm. um, and I like her voice. Um, her scream uh, can be a bit much. It's a great it's scream. It's a great scream. It's a very, it's an immediate high pitch scream um, that is like, if you're looking for the most terrifying moment in a film, like that's her scream every time. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's pretty jarring though. Yeah. So, I mean, you hear it a lot. It is movie. used a lot. Yeah. yeah. I did notice that where I was like, Oh, you got to mix up the screams right. a little bit. <laughs> exactly. But she's good in it. One thing to never forget about these movies is that they're very physical movies too. Like you've got to sell the terror with the motion. Yeah. Um, you know, not just the emotion, but the motion, the the running, the the looking around, the that stuff can be really hard to sell. I know that I struggle with some of that sometimes mm -hmm. on stage, as we've talked about before, like being scared. But you know, they do a great <laughs> they do a great job with it. Um, and 
we've got a nice score. It's not quite as effective. And this was, I don't want to get into this right now, but I've, I've been absolutely torturing myself over how to explain why the first movie is so much better than any of the others. Yeah. I have, I have a really hard time trying to articulate that, but I know that one of them is just how good the score is in the first one yeah. and how, and when it's used now here, we have Angelo Baldom and Terry who wrote the uh, theme song for inside the actor studio. That sort of oh. sweet, sad, like uh, a minimalist piece there, which is really nice. Obviously a talented guy. And we get a decent score here where he's incorporating enough of the original yeah. theme that we, we like that. Um, but uh, no, I thought I thought that Patricia did a, a a great job. I think she's very endearing. I think that you find yourself caring for her. Um, but I think that it's good that she's supported by that other cast, including uh, the character of Jennifer, played by um, that is. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry, Taryn, played by Jennifer Rubin. Jennifer Rubin was a model. Um, they really dress her down in this. Oh one. yeah, but. Um, she was pretty successful as a model. I think she went on to do a few things, didn't she? I, uh, maybe. Yeah, I, I didn't write them somewhat. down. Yeah, let's look. Sure. And her, yeah, her name in the movie is Taryn, which I only know one other Taryn. Me too. Um, really? Okay. Um, where's yours from? <laughs> she was in my class. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, uh, cool character. She's supposed to be kind of the the tough girl, the recovering addict. Uh, tough girl. And it's kind of funny. Like she's, she's faced with some temptation and it makes me think like, I'm not saying that there aren't still like sleazeball dudes out there, but do they really make sleazeball dudes like they made them in the eighties? Uh, no. Well that I know what you're talking about. The order. Yeah, this scene in the movie was one of the more frightening scenes because it is the most realistic and it probably happens so fucking often where you have bad, uh, I don't want to say actors, but you know people with bad intentions who take jobs to help people in order to manipulate them sure. or get what they want out of sure. them. So kudos to her because, yeah, the guy's like, hey, you're fucking hot and I've got the keys to the pharmacy, so right. you want to go have fun. And thankfully she says, no, that's not good of her. Yeah. But well, yeah, just like, yeah, I, that is one but of I mean, my notes. Is a sweet, uh, this, like, uh, this orderly guy sucks. Right. That's what I'm saying. And I don't want to, I, I'm, I'm going to stop myself short of naming any particular like nationality as usually kind oh of filling God. that yes. role. Yeah, we're not going to. At no, all. no, because I, but I'm just saying like, you know, Greaser type guy, you know, <laughs> like uh, like just a scumbag. Yeah, that guy wears his hair that way. Yeah, <laughs> that, it doesn't really look like. Uh, just to jump in, Jennifer Rubin really did much. She was in that movie Bad Dreams. I told you about a long yes! time ago. No, that wait, we can't find. Wait, you told me about Bad. I've known about Bad Dreams for forever. I that was that one way movie. early where I was like, I'd love to cover that, dude. And then I'm like, you can't find it anywhere. Yeah, no, I watched that movie. That was like a. So that's like the cult leader or something. Yes, the yeah. blonde guy, the blonde yes. cult leader. And yes, because I wanted to watch it because the trailer for that movie was like. You've seen Jason. You've seen Freddy. Oh, now boy. get ready for Pastor Mitchell or whatever. The fuck yeah, his name right. Is. That starts out with that great um, that time song from like uh, the sixties. Um, you you've heard it before. Okay, I, you're you're gonna need more than that. But, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're nailing. I think it's called time. Um, 
But yeah, it's uh, oh, she was in Transmorphers, which is a knockoff Transformers movie. Is it a porn? No. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> it's one of those. Uh, I think it's the company's called Asylum, and they'll take like a hot property and oh. then shove out. They did Snakes on a Train. Oh, sure. Yeah, they do any anything that sounds like a hit movie, hoping that you'll accidentally watch it. They could have just gone like maybe not that far off the source material and went with snakes on a biplane. <laughs> <laughs> just one guy. Yeah, right. One guy, one snake. Um, snake on a biplane. Yeah. She was in Heebie Jeebies, which I don't know what that is. Is that a. Okay. I don't know what the fuck I was talking focus? about. I was thinking that she like did some. I don't. Maybe it was. I was just impressed no, by the model. Not. I'm just looking up her acting yeah. and shit. So, yeah, she actually. Yeah. Maybe she's like a well-known philanthropist. Yeah. I'm sure she's, she's like my shitty movies don't define me. And she does a fine job. And and, you know, yes, there is some great. um There are some really great effects that are happening in her scene. There are great effects happening throughout. There's even the like pre. uh What do we want to say? Like. um a prototype to the tricycle from Saw. Yeah. We have a little tricycle action there. Yeah. Quote, unquote, I, I call that scene Hot Wheels um, because it sort of melts into itself. Um, <laughs> but great effects all the way throughout. But great performances along with the effects. Because that's the thing. If you don't have a Jennifer Rubin really selling the whole drug thing and the addiction thing and the the struggles with that, then it, it just doesn't hold any water. Yeah. So she does a great job with that. Um and now, another good contextual kill. I kind of like that where Freddie's hands turn into needles and then she's got the gaping holes on her arm. That's fucking creepy. Yeah. And, oh, and people have problems with and that. It's still gross. Yeah. Very I mean, gross. It's, it's pretty gross. Uh, but yeah. And it's kind of weird how, and I don't, I don't know if this is intentional or they were just like, I guess she dies this way. But to me, I was like, oh man, just to like in that moment of weakness, succumb to your addiction as it kills you well it, that it could very well be that i thought that it was interesting this is a little bit more of a, a literal interpretation but it's very clear that he's got like a blue liquid in there uh-huh. so if she's trying to commit suicide it could either be an overdose or like she just pumped herself full of some like drain cleaner right you know either way it's not good for you right um but yeah pretty effective and then you have freddie kind of like uh in a <laughs> Throwing his head back in a state of ecstasy, um, you know, experiencing the simultaneous release and uh, <laughs> and just saying, what a rush. Yeah. Now, did you notice in this movie they used at least four different vocal effects on Freddy Krueger? Yes. Sometimes none at all. Right. Yes. <laughs> I did, and it, did not understand the choices here. It's kind of like it almost feels as if Robert Englund was trying to, like, usher in a little bit more of his own voice, like wherever he could. <laughs> right. But no, you're right. In the... But it's enough to make you wonder, like, okay, what is Freddie's voice then? Because the voice that I always remember growing up with is like, like more of a like garbled robotic, like that sort of thing. But um, but then it just eventually kind of morphed into like just a general like gravelly voice kind of thing like this. Um, But. Yeah, but other times it's just kind of like uh, it's just Robert Englund. Yeah, talking. just Robert Englund talking normal. It's like they just forgot to do the effect on some. Maybe bits. he's putting a menacing twist on what yeah. he's saying. But there's like one where it is so low, like you can hear the artificial like digitalness of 
of the like voice modulation. It's so bad. It's only for like one line, but I was like, whoa, they fucking went a thousand miles the other way on this on this one. I always liked it when he had asthma. Like he uh he used to have this like like respirating like when he, when he my favorite line when he just goes what in that first one when she's like like she's gonna turn her back on him yeah. or whatever or the like i'm gonna kill you slow like he just like when it was just little bits like yeah. that um but i like the like the breathing with it that was really cool but yeah and this From one smoke inhalation you that there you go god damn You've thought about this guy a lot. <laughs> no, that works. I like that. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Like, yeah, a, a slasher based on whose fear is based on the negative effects of smoke inhalation, um, which that's how the fires get you, by the way. Right. Uh, it's not you suffocate. Usually, yeah. yeah, right. Um, so <laughs> Zsa Zsa Gabor is in this movie. Yeah. Um, I talked and, about her when you went to the bathroom. Oh, did you? Yeah. Did you mention just the, the f- cool bit of, with her and Dick Cavett to get them in this movie and just, I mean, I can't say people had ever really seen anything like that before this. I don't want to call it meta, but this like, I'm watching a real thing. Now Dick Cavett turned into Freddy Krueger and killed Zsa Zsa Gabor. Well, the only other one that I can think of prior to that. Oh man, and they'd be really, really close to the same years. Would be um, in Trick or Treat that we covered. Oh, with Sammy Kerr, like yeah. where Ozzy's on uh, TV. Yeah, but I, he's playing a different character. Though. Yeah, that's true. Good point. The funny thing is, is that Robert Englund talks about that scene, and he said that Josh Agabor had no idea what was happening at all. Like, oh, sure. had no no knowledge of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. <laughs> Or anything. He said that she had lines that were scripted. She and Dick Cavett had scripted lines. She gets on there, knew was knew none of the lines, just started rambling. Dude, that's hilarious because her lines in this movie are about being prepared and always researching. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> that's the ultimate irony. Maybe the joke's on us. Kudos, Jaja. But um, but yeah, she literally didn't memorize any of her lines. Dick Cavett is just trying to cover, you know, like make it look like an interview. And so when Robert Englund popped up, like she, her reaction is 100 percent genuine. She's like, what? Like, she's like, I got a call to be in a movie. Like, that's all I know. And um, oh, my God, it's so great. And that's all true, by the way. Um, so yeah, that's, that's wonderful to know. Did you watch a lot of green acres when you were growing up? Yeah, I did too. I yeah. don't know why we did. Well, cause Nick at night. Was, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Something unobtrusive you could share with your parents. Your parents are like, Oh yeah, I grew up on these shows. You know, back when kids like to share their parents' interests. Yes. I'm not really talking to anyone specifically, <laughs> Yeah, but it feels like, like it. my own kids. You're right. Don't uh, like fish. Well, Speaking of interests where people, you know, might like their daughters to go uh, convents in this movie. Uh-huh. Nuns. We got a nun. Now, yeah. here's, here's the thing. All due respect. Not every nun is scary. But kind of. <laughs> like, if you look at any nun, nobody is like, everybody feels that first, like, jolt, like it's a nun. Yeah. Like, there's like... I'm seeing a nun in, in the wild like that. You have that first reaction and then you sort of look at them and try to find the humanity in there. But the outfit kind of like keeps you from doing that. And you're like, I don't understand the level of dedication that that person is exercising right, right. now. Like that. I respect nuns. I think it's really interesting. I think it's a fast it's a 
if nothing else, fascinating way of life. When our parents were younger, it was way more popular. Like if you had a girl that was, and this is, I don't mean to make light of this, but if she might have, maybe she was being abused at home or something like that. Like a convent was, that was a place for her to get away from. Like it literally was a place that you could run away from home, go to, and they wouldn't fucking tell anybody. Right. And I, I, you know, you can, you can say a lot of things about the Catholic church. (laughs) That's, I don't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. You really can. But, um, I just think that that thing is, it's kind of a fascinating way of life because I don't know a whole lot of young girls going into the nunnery these days. No, no. I don't know any, in fact. Um, <laughs> like, I, I'm sure that I there don't know still any are. Girls who go to church. Well, right. Yeah. It probably starts with that. You probably go to church first and then decide to be right, a nun. Yeah, you don't just like, jump oh, that. That's pretty sweet. But this nun in this movie is, I mean, I'm sh- she's a striking looking woman. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that outside of that uniform, which is probably meant to take away any physical attraction whatsoever, I'm sure looks like. Sweet and 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 beautiful in her own, you know, elderly way. But um, but in this movie, she's creepy looking. Yeah. And as as endearing as her character's story may be being Freddie's mother. Yeah. Uh, she needs to get her ass to a goddamn biology class because, oh. <laughs> you know, bastard son of a hundred maniacs. Yeah. You missed well, something. I, I know what they're saying. That, yeah. I know what they're saying. It's <laughs> impossible to tell who, unless they obviously did a. Yeah, if you didn't watch the movie, we get a nice. We finally get some uh, Freddy backstory here, and this nun that keeps appearing to our doctor, who we will get to in a minute here. Um, you know, eventually is like, yeah, one. You know, she leads him into the uh, closed off wing of the hospital, and he's like, "Didn't some crazy shit go down here in the '40s?" She's like. <laughs> Yeah, actually, like a young uh, nun was locked in here over the holiday and was repeatedly uh, assaulted by, uh, you know, a hundred deranged psychos. And so, yeah, there's no way to tell who the dad is. But which holiday? I'm dying to know know, which holiday it is. Thanksgiving. It was like six days. They they didn't have like National Pretzel Day back then, (laughs) but... I like to think it was something more serious, but yes. but yeah, the idea of yeah, uh, yeah, it's supposed to imply like a hundred sperms penetrated that egg, <laughs> right. but yeah, it's just you know, there's one guy, there's one guy, yeah, and but, maybe maybe he was like the innocent one of them all, yeah, well, yeah, um, yeah, they put a lot of people in those places for like they might have just been on the autism spectrum, yeah, that time, yeah, so a long a long way, Freddy Krueger, nice guy, Mental maybe. Health. Maybe could have been. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, he just, he just took that one, that one left turn where he started killing kids. And that's really what would kind of threw him off course there. Um, I wrote here. Wow. I was worried you would have said that I would have had to explain how that worked. Oh, the biology of it. Yeah. So I'm very impressed with you too. Yeah. That is. Yeah. I'm not good with science. I'm not. I'm not. I was getting um, ready to be like, hey, well, you know, it's actually just once one yeah. sperm gets in there and none other they can't get any more in. Yeah. Right. I'm like, uh, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not even going to continue. That. I was about to get in. I was going to make a DP thing, but um, uh, anyhow. You can't get to the egg through there. Oh, right. No. Yeah. And plus God can't see it. So it's, you know, you're True. safe. Um, 
But anyhow, I wrote down here, uh, not Heather's best work so far. No. Um, Heather Langenkamp. Now, I really like her as a final girl, as a character in the first film. And I like her in New Nightmare. And I know that I like her in the first film and I like her in New Nightmare, both exclusively and together more than you do. Yeah. And and I know that you're what your reasons are for that. And they're valid. But my God, we can agree that she's awful in this. <laughs> so bad. Which sucks because you're excited to see her. And, you know, it's like, especially if you're a, fran- a fan of the movies when they came out, like her coming back was probably like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I mean, I remember it being a big deal. And it's, you know, it's insane when you think about the perspective of when you're a, a child to an adult. Because when this movie came out as a kid, it felt like, wow, they got her back. Yeah. Like, it's been forever. It's like, it's three years. Right. It was three years. But she looks 40 years older in this movie somehow. Way <laughs> older in this than she does in, in New Nightmare. Yes. Way yes. older. Bad, bad helmet hair. But as a kid, you're like, right, of course, it's been like 10 years since that first movie came out. I don't even remember it coming out because, yeah, but three years. The thing, that, the thing that I can't figure out is that, and we can go ahead and talk about that doctor now. Um, I'm going to go to the bathroom one more time. Just the last time. But I'm going to tell you this. First of all, I feel like we could do this episode forever. I, I There's so much to talk about this. But let me just say this. There is supposed to be a sex scene so hot no. that it would melt the camera lens between Heather and Neil. And that it was written into the original script. We obviously don't get to see it. I don't know where in the film that fits its way in. Right. But... I mean, maybe after the funeral, like laugh to keep from crying. I, I don't know, but I. Uh, yeah, because that is the first that go to the bathroom. Yeah. Or did you have something no. else to set it yeah, up? No, with? I just, yeah. Talking about and then leading into the doctor and you're because I, I think I like the like, when I asked you about the doctor off off uh, Mike, I, I was expecting you to be like, you know, I kind of like that guy. It was the dead opposite. Well, <laughs> so, I like the character. I will get to that when you get back. Uh, but yeah, the first, uh, wow, a sex scene between those two. I mean, I would love, love to experience it uh, just to watch it like, uh, like you want to watch like a train wreck. Because, um, yeah, they, he doesn't really seem to be romantically interested. Not that she's not attractive and wouldn't be like, yeah, I'd fucking tap that. Uh, but to to say that they're that they're. That there's some sort of chemistry between them is weird because, yeah, after the funeral, when uh, I don't remember whose funeral it is, um, you know, he's talking to the nun and then Nancy comes over and then he turns around. The nun's gone because spoiler, she's a ghost. But she, um, you know, then he like puts his arm or they put their arms around each other. and We were like, oh, that got friendly pretty quickly. Because there's nothing really leading up when to she, that. When she looks like Zorro with that hat on at the uh, in the cemetery. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you're right. There's like, it, it, I guess it seems semi-natural that there would be something there. Obviously, there's a connection of the minds there as far as wanting to help the kids and that sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, that like kind of tumbling into like a hot five-minute sex scene. I, I don't know about that. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Um, but then I can't again, believe that exists. We don't see a lot of sex scenes in these movies other than, I mean, there was like. You hear her. Yeah. The sex in the Tina. first one. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
But I'm glad that they kind of removed that because I think that their relationship well, because is. Because we have this part. God damn. That's all the sex oh, oh. we need in this movie. Well, let's go ahead and talk about that. Well, that... hold on. We, 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 oh, let's the talk doctor. about the doctor real quick. Because, okay. yes, I did like the character of the doctor. Uh, he's obviously cares about the kids. He's not really. Um... He's a man of science. Yeah, he is. He is a man of science. Um a line I missed earlier, and he, she, ref, the nun references it again. I'm like, he's listening to you. Like, why are you saying that? Nancy's yeah. like, no, he mentioned earlier, like, science is my religion, which is a stupid right. line. Um, but yeah, I like him as a character. Now, as an actor, I thought he sucked. I thought he was really terrible. Mm. I thought he looked stupid, and it was. <laughs> I'm like this, especially if there's a sex scene. I'm like, is this was this guy good looking in the in the 80s? I don't I don't feel like I'm shy about admitting when a man is attractive. Okay, Uh, but I'm also not attracted to men. Yes. So, I mean, there is a part of me where I'm like, I, I don't know. Does some I'm sure someone finds that person attractive, but is he? viewed as conventionally attractive because he's not i mean he certainly doesn't have the features he looks like bill maher i wrote in my notes it's the first time i was ever in my life been like god i wish this was bill maher (laughs) um but (laughs) fucking because i don't like bill maher um (laughs) but he does look of if you're trying to picture who this doctor looks like yeah picture bill maher yeah yeah picture bill maher just spent his life like eating mcdonald's yes He's yeah. not fat, but he's a little. He's got puffy. the. He's, he's got little... very hooded eyes, is what they call it, where okay. there's like there's sort of like go down at like an angle. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I I actually liked him. I was. I think that somebody maybe a bit younger, a little bit more vital. Like, give me like a. And I'm not. And I don't even love this guy other than Donnie Darko. But give me like a Noah Wiley, somebody like that. Like yeah. where they're sort of young and earn it. Like likable. Cute. Not, yeah. Noah Wiley's right. cute. I'll, I can say that. I is see this what guy you mean. Cute? Yeah. No, this guy's I mean, not I cute. Guess? Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, it's like, like he doesn't look like a slob. So it's like he's like the bare minimum <laughs> of attractiveness, right. I guess. Yeah, I guess he looks like a professional. He looks yeah. like I mean, we believe him as the position that he's holding. Yeah. Um. So there's that part of it. But yeah, there's really not a sex appeal to that, Um. which is maybe why they just wrote the whole thing off, because they're like, yeah, this looks gross. But um, who knows? But I think that the idea of having somebody playing the part of someone who does not believe any of this stuff, but that is open-minded because we have both ends of the spectrum. We have him opening his mind to the concept of it. And then we have the uh, nurse ratchet cosplay uh, doctor. (laughs) Like um, I had to look it up like three times. I'm like, no, it is Louise Fletcher, right? Right. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. (laughs) Right. Um, But we've got her, you know, kind of uh, holding, uh, you know, rank as the the unbeliever, non-believer uh, of the whole thing. And the thing is, like, she's not even. She's we don't like her in the movie and we're not supposed to like her, but like she's not evil for like a a, a purpose. Right. Like a, like an underhanded purpose. Right. She's just she's doing things within the, the system that she feels will help. She's just one of those fucking assholes that doesn't believe in a dream demon. <laughs> That exists in these suicidal children's dreams 
that's trying to kill them that also killed another group yeah, of teenagers. because they are the offspring of yeah. the people who killed this guy initially. She just doesn't get it. She doesn't She doesn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's probably very good at her job, actually. <laughs> sure. um, but... But no, um, but we, we, yeah, we start to steal the eyes. Love her she eyes. does. Yeah. Yeah. There she, yeah. She to looks where you expect her to be evil. You do what she told you to do. <laughs> right. And you, you wouldn't question it. Um, no. Yeah. She looks uh, one of those people that is just, I hope that those people that are just look mean all the time, somehow find some enjoyment in life, like yeah. in, from birth to death. But, um, but yeah, she just looks fucking mean. Yeah. She looks like uh like a reference librarian. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like just like you know, like I'm here to help, but you coming up here and You're asking not helping me, help, me yeah. at all, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, so there's that. Um, now uh, I was ready to jump on something else. Yeah, there. I don't oh, remember. Oh, your nurse scene. Oh, okay. Joey and the nurse. Yeah. Joey with the disappearing magical disappearing tattoo, uh, g- gang tattoo. By the way, right, I know. Prison we were tattoo. Like, Did that mean the same thing? Yeah, it shows up first scene with a uh, with a, a teardrop tattoo, meaning that he's you know killed somebody. Yeah, um, but then it's just gone for for no good reason. Yep, um, and that's fine. Uh, so Joey's got uh, got some hormones raging. Oh yeah, and he's got his eye on a gal. Who's that? I, I don't know who it is. Well, I mean, she's a nurse. Oh, I, I thought you meant like who in real life. <laughs> yeah. What are her credits? Like, yeah, What's I'm her like, oh, my God, I did not look <laughs> up any more photos of her. I know what I'm doing when we're done recording. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, she's just a nurse, you know, just trying to work and help kids. Trying not to fucking. But she says hi to him. Like she like, I mean, it's probably professional. Yeah, probably. But he's cute. Well, we don't know that she doesn't say hi to everyone else. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But she's never, you know, certainly not. um, You know, there's never any indication she's she's leading him on. Yeah. 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 She's just like, hi, Joey. Yeah. Like you would do if you saw someone every fucking day. Yeah. Right. I guess. Yeah. (laughs) She's just doing her job. right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then here comes the fucking worst orderly in the world. Hey, let me walk these down yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah. You go into the sea level. You like yeah. a pharmacy. You're right. <laughs> the fa- yeah. He doesn't have that. He doesn't talk no. like John Travolta. <laughs> right. I was just thinking like, uh, what is the, uh, it could be, uh, what in the beginning of Grease Lightning? Oh, the, like, I don't. Hydroponic, <laughs> supersonic. Um, whatever it is. I don't think it's those words. But um, yeah, so Joey. It's a movie Pre- I've only watched while forced, so I really have not really retained <laughs> You don't like much. Grease? Not really. I fucking love that movie. Not really. Love it. Um, so yeah, so he's got, you know, he takes a shine to her. He's a young kid. He's in a mental institution. Things could be better. Um, but uh, what I do like, one thing that this movie does, and it's the best, it's probably the best uh, outside of Freddy Krueger. The best thing that this movie franchise has ever, ever, ever done is to not immediately tell you that they're in a dream. Yeah. You know what is a funny thing before I continue that? Or I should say, forget that point that I'm making right there. Uh, but let me like uh, take a tangent for a second. You know what's so weird about these movies is that all of the dreams are in the moment. Like nobody right. ever says, let me tell you about the dream I had last week. And then it cuts to... The Freddy dream. Like nobody has a retrospective <laughs> right. on a dream. It's always in the moment and what's happening. Yeah. But even and more, their dreams never really 
Well, uh, never mind. I was going to say something stupid. Never mind. <laughs> but, never but, mind. But they, but, but getting back to my original point that, um, that they didn't do they made a conscious choice to enter into the dream from the audience's perspective uh sort of um without indication that that's where we are yeah and we get um but they some, think they're not dreaming yeah it's a, yeah it's a group session where they're like because they know i forget her character name our main character. Oh, uh, Kristen. Kristen. Kirsten. Who, uh, yeah, Kirsten. Oh, yeah. She was Kirsten in Wes Craven's script. They changed it to Kristen because Kirsten is, I'm going to go ahead and say it, not a real name. Um, so uh, I'm sorry, sorry to all the Academy Kirstens. Award winner, Kirsten Dunst. Oh, yeah. Except for you. But really, Kirsten, that just sounds weird. What about Kirstie? Kirstie Alley? Yeah. That's certainly not real at all. That's made not up. anymore. Yeah. Uh but that that's funny because yeah, she says it's Kirsten, but the subtitles were Kristen. We're it, like, yeah. What? Yeah, okay. it should be Kristen. Uh so yeah, they think you know, they're like, Oh, she can pull us into the dream. Let's do a little group session where we all fall asleep and see if you can pull everyone into the dream. We can do this as a team. But yeah, then they think they failed. And then they have those what are those uh perpetual balls called? Oh, the Newton's cradle. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then they well, kind of yeah, like, we know they're in a dream because the the hot orderly is like, yeah, why don't you come over here, buddy? Yeah. Takes what's his name? Joey. Joey takes Joey out of the room. Yeah. Uh, but we know because then all of a sudden the dude's <laughs> cradle they're playing with flies off the fucking rail for right. whatever reason. Yes. And uh, and then they know, which is kind of cool, because then they're like, look at what I can do. And it cuts to Kristen doing what is, I'm sorry, some pretty rudimentary gymnastics. No, but still. It's a round off back tuck, which is just I mean, she didn't even throw the back handspring back in in between. It's a round off back handspring back tuck. I would be like, welcome to gymnastics 101. She doesn't even throw that in there. It's fine. It's her dream. And it's and it's her her fantasy. It's OK. okay. Do you know what those are before this or did you look those up for, I for the joke? I fucking love gymnastics. Okay, I I love <laughs> That's it. That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> I really do. I love women's floor is like my favorite thing ever. <laughs> like I have specific events that I like. I also like competitive cheerleading, uh-huh. um, like the Same basket tosses and yeah. everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. But um, but no, I enjoy that. I feel like those are like real life superheroes. People that can do that shit yeah. on a floor, like and just flip like four yeah. times. That's but not in a room, like and yeah. you're not trained to do it. Not impressive. Yeah, no, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so she does, I would have been impressed, but you are not supposed to be doing this. Maybe it's more impressive than the girl that's just like, I'm a badass in my dreams. Like I went to Wilson's leather, like yeah. and did a mohawk. I know. Yeah. And I know it's the eighties where she's like, in my dreams, I'm beautiful. And I was like, so you're not doing that part right now. <laughs> right. Why don't you show me what it is in your dreams? Yeah, then? I could help. Yeah. But um, like, I appreciate that you washed your hair, but, uh, you know, no, she's actually a, a pretty girl model as we've, we've said before. Um, but yeah, she, so that's kind of like not even really an ability. It's like, <laughs> right. I'm not sure if she really got what everybody else was. Well, doing. She's like a good, you know, scrappy fighter. She's got yeah. two knives. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they're not switchblades. They are the, I believe it's a stiletto knife where okay, it just where comes, comes out of the, out of the, yeah, hilt. Out yeah. of the top. Um, and then we've got Kincaid, which I really do love Kincaid. Yeah. He's cool. Uh, he bends a chair. And I love that the fact that doctor's like, Kincaid, like, come, <laughs> like this is a, th- that's a dream chair that doesn't actually exist. You're not going to oh. have to pay for that. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> but he's still concerned. Yeah. Meanwhile, Joey's gone. Nobody gives a fuck. Right. But um, but he's in there with the nurse, and you got saved from what would have like made this a really confusing scene for you, uh-huh. because what was supposed to happen was Freddie with boobs. Oh, God. Like banging Joey, like full on, like female Freddie, like doing it with him. Wow. That was the original scene. Well, I could see that. That'd be fun. Fun, but I could see them doing that in like part four or five. That yeah. feels like a four or five bit, but probably would. like, oh man, you won't believe you won't believe what we did in this one. <laughs> we put fucking tits on Freddy. <laughs> oh, so it's gonna be the great oh, people are gonna be so frightened. Yeah. <laughs> it might have, it certainly would have been like, I mean, it, it, it probably wouldn't, um. You probably wouldn't be researching it after the show uh, as much, but uh, <laughs> air quotes there. Uh, but anyhow, so yes, yeah, so you found this woman attractive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's cute. Um, she's uh, and she's 80s attractive all day. Yeah. I'll say that. Um, I mean, yeah, you don't. I guess it was you don't get uh, nice natural breasts like that much anymore these days. Those were natural. I think so. Yeah. Okay. I'll go with that. I yeah. was kind of ju- trying to figure it out. Well, yeah. In this day and age, you're like, who who could tell? Yeah. Yeah. Who can keep up with it? Yeah. Um. But I, but, but in, uh, those, in those days, you could tell. Yeah. 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 You could. And I don't think they were. Um. And but we get a scene where, and I've kind of maligned some of this before, where it's like, are we doing scenes because it's connecting to the character? Or are we doing it because it's something that the guy in the special effects department said? Oh, guess what I could do? And they're like, okay, we'll find a way to tie that in. Yeah. But I think that they're they went with a tongue thing, which, by the way, no franchise has ever loved tongues more than Nightmare on Elm Street. No. Holy God! At every turn, wherever they can put it in. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, you got the you got the tongue in the phone. Yeah, you got new nightmare. The tongue reaching out. Yeah, the, the tongues in this. Yeah, um, I think that there are others, but there's got to be. Yeah, so Joey gets this like um, he gets tongue tied, as Freddie says, mm-hmm. uh, to the the four corners of the bed. He's he's hanging above like a burning abyss, which I always like. I always was affected by that when the, you see the mattress fall down and yeah. kind of hits the side and yeah. everything like that felt scary to me as a kid. Like, yeah, I, I don't want to fall down there. Right. Um, and neither does Joey, uh, <laughs> which is understandable. But he's like hanging there for forever because they don't find him again until much later. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. It is a weird. I mean, now we're starting to get into territories where I'm just like, I, I don't understand motivations here or what is really happening. Like. You know, it's Freddie doing this, like, I'm going to hold this guy hostage. Uh, Like, wasn't your thing just killing kids, like getting revenge on your own murder? Yeah. I mean, unless it was, I mean, you know, he does eventually taunt, you know, because Nancy's like, let go of him, you son of a bitch, because he's in a deep coma now. And then Freddie oh, draws yeah, on his chest. I thought you met your wife like while she was watching it. <laughs> no, I'm like, no, no. wow, she's really into yeah, this. Let like, go of him, you, you son, of a son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, Freddie, uh, uh, Nancy did have a comment on this scene where Freddie scratches out, come and get him, bitch, on his abdomen. And she's just like, oh, his poor nipples. <laughs> like, there are a couple of parts where he just sliced right through the nipple. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, unless that was like a I have to get Nancy here. But he like he like didn't even she wasn't even a concern of his before this. Like when she shows up in 
Kristen's dream. He's like, you like, yeah. what the fuck? Fuck right. you again. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I don't know. Just she obviously wasn't on your radar before. Why are you worried about it now? Just continue killing these kids in a way no one can stop you from doing. And faster. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> no, that's true. And then so ultimately now this is um, and I, I told you like these. I'm so into these movies that I, too, fall into a, a state of <laughs> sleepfulness. And um, so as we move into towards the end here, God. how far are we? we OK. A while. Yeah. So anyhow, there this this creepy nun um, who just sort of exists in, you know, solitude, showing up whenever she wants to. But it's OK, because like they say, uh uh, sisters are doing it for themselves. Um, she's, but she shows up whenever she wants to. And she says like, you gotta like bury his bones. Yeah. Take find Freddie's bones and, uh, and bury them in, really wherever a junkyard is fine. You know? Um, Just, yeah. He needs a sacred ceremony. You need to lay it to rest. Yes. As they say. And, uh, so now we have kind of a, a goal, yeah. Uh and uh Neil, the the uh charismatic doctor, uh just Neil just isn't a really strong name no. either. No. But anyhow, he is aware of this. And then we get John Saxon. Back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of my notes. Thank God it's John Saxon. I have the actual down, actor showed up. I have a note here that I don't even know you I'm sure you know what it means. I was in and out of consciousness. I said uh, sparkle ghost uh, Saxon. Uh, yes, I have a note here that says sparkle John Saxon and the music. <laughs> so funny. That's great. But it is great because that, I mean, that is technically Freddie fucking with her because, yeah, John Saxon has uh, died to the reanimated bones of Freddy Krueger because Freddy Krueger can like sense when someone's fucking with his body in the real world and they can control his bones. Uh, whatever makes sense. Why not just run around as a skeleton and killing people? Yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, poor John Saxon, uh, stabbed and then thrown into a car and, uh, dies that way. Very unceremoniously yeah. to the bones of Freddy Krueger. So it's come full circle. He killed Freddy. Maybe someday the bones of John Saxon will then kill the bones of Freddy Krueger. Bones versus bones. Yeah. I'd love to yeah. see that. Um, you know, if all things considered, though, he uh, he had fallen onto some pretty hard times. Uh, yeah, he didn't like good. Yeah, no, he didn't. <laughs> um, but still, when you see a John Saxon on screen, you want to be by that guy. Mm-hmm. Same way we, we, we've barely mentioned Lawrence Fishburne in this movie. I want that. I know, guy, I'm already like, God damn it. I want that guy to work so at long. every job that I'm at. I just I don't care what he does. I want Lawrence Fishburne in this movie. At every job I ever work, yeah. which hopefully will be the same. And it's one. like we say Lawrence Fishburne and you're like, oh, yeah, iconic. One of the best actors probably working today uh, never gives a bad before. I mean, even in this, I think you said something earlier about naturalness. Yeah. Yeah. Just the way he delivers, the way he talks to the kids. Like, I'm like, you would believe, oh, they just got a guy who actually does this all the time. <laughs> this right. is how he talks to the kids. Uh, yeah, that guy couldn't fucking catch a break. I mean, he was in stuff. Sure. But it was f- still five years after this when he did um, Boys in the Hood, where people were finally like, oh, you know who's good? Lawrence Fishburne. Let's put him in everything. And now, the, yeah, we watched The Matrix, and that first reveal of him when he turns around is like one of the most iconic 
Yes. <laughs> moments in movies in the past 25 years. Well, it's kind of like, like no one no one else could have fucking pulled that off. It's kind of like when you're waiting for a parking space and waiting and waiting, the car pulls out and then somebody else pulls in the space. <laughs> it was like he was waiting and waiting and then fucking Forrest Whitaker just goes <laughs> like, I'm just going to jump in there real quick. Well, he's good. Um, and I love him. Yeah, no, I, I, I love Ghost Dog. You ever seen Ghost Dog? Oh, yeah. oh fuck yeah. Um, but uh, but no, like Lawrence Fishburne just like absolutely so just uh he's smooth in this yeah. like he's you believe in his sincerity you you know that he has a good heart he's trying to do his job and and you know do the right thing but you just believe every single word that comes it's like honey dipped yeah i he's mean doing it's doing exactly what you want an actor to do and to play a part believably right he's yeah. not trying to steal a scene ever no. He's just he, doing his fucking job. <laughs> right. And and in and in such a, a genuine way that you just can't help but fall in love with him in this movie. And and god damn, they should have found a, a way to bring him. He doesn't die in this. No. He's almost just sort of forgotten, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's not yeah. a part of the finale at all. Well, bring his ass back because that's that's oh, how cool would it be for them to do a new nightmare with Lawrence Fishburne's character in it? I'm into it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, somebody's got to do it. This right reminds now. me of the kids I used to take care of. Yeah, <laughs> you know he'd die right away. Well, but it'd be cool though. It'd be a heartbreaker. I was, yeah, yeah, dude. I'm, uh, I'm all for it. <laughs> but either way, so or we, Cowboy Curtis. So we do, we do get that goal of trying to bury Freddie's bones. That does not go as easily as as anyone would think naturally. No, and so as, as we all know. Skeletons without muscle are stronger than real people with muscle. Yeah. Always. In every movie. That's true. It's like, I get it that they've got the element of surprise. Nobody <laughs> right. expects no that. expected the bones. <laughs> right. But yeah, there's a bit of an issue with the, the muscles and the movement, <laughs> like any movement. <laughs> right. um, that's that's the thing. Um, but yet here we are, and it's, it's battling away, and... I don't know. Were, was it was it losing some focus for you at that point where we're a little bit in the graveyard? We're a little bit with the kids or or do you feel like it all? I mean, uh, do you feel like the climax worked, I guess is what I'm asking. I mean, yeah, I think so. I, I liked, you know, I liked that idea of, uh, you know, oh, he needs to be put to rest like, you know, because we're obviously dealing with a disturbed spirit in, in a world where those exist. So. Yeah, I mean, I you know, obviously, like, if you take the movie at service level and believe, you know, yeah, this guy made a deal with Dream Demon. So, obviously, there's supernatural stuff at play here. So, yes, maybe actually burying someone does have some sort of cosmic effect on your eternal slumber or whatever. Um, now, does it kill you? That's weird. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It seemed more the holy water sprinkled on him did more than the actual burial. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, you have to add that imagery because people understand it. They're yeah. like, oh, yes, he's evil and that's good water. So the good water hurt bad man. Um, yeah. But he doesn't really ever. Does he ever put dirt on top of him? Not that, I've that seen. we see. Yeah. So. You know, did he achieve the burial? I mean, I guess I have to believe so as far as the movie goes. Um, 
And why are we so concerned with giving that guy uh, uh, the burial that he what deserves? <laughs> right. I know. That's the yeah. thing. He's is a he child only, killer. Is he the only uh, child killer that wasn't given a respectful burial? Like, yeah. Are there more? Well, he might be the only one who made deal with dream demons. So maybe that was it. But you have to think somewhere there is some other guy who wasn't given a proper burial is just like, I'm so fucking mad right now. <laughs> right. Bitch. <laughs> um, but yes, I, uh, I know. I, I think that I, I, it's a climax that is, um, it's exciting. I mean, you know, that they're, I, I like the fact that they, they're kind of fighting on two fronts and that was okay. I guess the, the biggest question that I have that I can't seem to find an answer to is that, this movie feels like a Nightmare on Elm Street sequel. Mm-hmm. The rest of them feel like sequels as they are. What is it about that first movie that makes it feel like in in just an entirely different category? I can't I can't figure well, I mean, it out. It's its newness to it. You're not going in knowing anything about it, right? So you're going into this being like, oh, Nancy, I remember her. Or oh, there's Freddie again. Oh, they have a history together. I know their history together. I know their interactions they've had with each other. I know, you know, he's going to try and do something here. Or, you know, with that movie, it was just everything was unexpected. I know, but I think that there's something in the execution, too, though. I think that there's... Like no if lighting. you if you think about watching the first movie, which I mean, also was low ish budget and it is not necessarily perfect, but it feels more like I don't know. It just I wish I could think of the words to describe what I'm saying. It feels more like a true feature film. And these kind of feel like, you know, when like a, a kid's movie, like like a, there's like a, a Little Mermaid movie that comes out and then they make the TV series of yeah. it and it always looks a little shittier. Yeah, that's how I feel about the first movie versus these others. Sure. Even with bigger budgets, like there's something about the tightness with which that first one is crafted that this one. It doesn't even really come close, but it's the closest of any of them. Yeah. And I know that we're I know that we're not talking about the first one. I I have to get over that. But but at the same time, I think that this movie is I don't think it should be overlauded for being the best of what is some not so other great sequels. But I do want to be quick to say this. Everything that comes out of my mouth sounds like I have something negative to say about this franchise. When the truth of it is, there's always cool moments in nearly all of these sequels. Right. And there's always neat elements. It's just that I think that going into that more fantasy carnival humor style. They become very paint by numbers. Yeah. I know what to expect. Right. In each one. But yeah, this is like your classic, like we're doing a new one. Got to be bigger. There's going to be more lights. There's going to be more kids. Right. You know, more is on the line. He's stronger in this one. Why? I don't know. Right. What's he been doing? Yeah, like they have to reinvent a new, and that's why I was going with the whole Friday uh, waiting until part eight to get out of the camp. Like, why are you feeling like you have to reinvent the wheel every single sequel that comes out? You have to come up with this new mythology. Yeah. Friday the 13th, find a way to get to the camp. <laughs> like, that's all it is. Right. Pull it back to the camp. They can <laughs> rename it. It can be like the residential area around it, whatever it is. Get it back to the camp, and then we love it. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I think that Wes Craven was onto something when he was probably thinking to himself, like, it's kind of a miracle that I got this movie 
and its premise to be taken seriously one time, anything beyond this is going to be silly. Because yeah. we're talking about somebody in people's dreams. You know, it was so far outside of a Jason or Leatherface or Michael Myers or anything like that. Like, this is a fantasy a slasher. Right. And it'll work for one, but it, it won't really work after that. Yeah. And I think he kind of knew that. Um so that's why because all you can do is make the dreams more outrageous. That's all you can do with these. You can't do anything in reality that heightens it at all. You know. It will and and I don't know if you well to yeah, your and the answer to that is yes, to heighten it you would have to do that. Or you could keep crafting tight, good films that are, are more based on the, the basic elements yeah. of the first one. I mean, cause there are elements of some of the sequels that I like, like it's, I mean, it's almost like if we could just wipe everything clear, you, and I know you, we've, we've gone a while, but I still want to hear, you told me you had an idea for a perfect sequel to this. Yeah. So I have to hear it, but there are elements from the other sequels. Like I like that concept in the sixth one where they go to Springwood and it's a fucking ghost town. Like all the kids have died. Yeah. Or no, or people are afraid to have kids or whatever. So that town is just crackers now. Like that is kind of a cool concept. Cause yeah. Why, why would he stop at, you know, if he, if he seems to have this powerful thing, would he really like rest at the end where he's like, ah, finally I've killed all the children of the people who killed me. You know, uh, what's he do then? So it makes sense then to just like kind of terrorize this town or whatever. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, yeah. And I did, I did think of what I feel like, cause I was trying to think of tasking myself with thinking of a sequel that could do what it is that I'm saying, which is to keep those initial elements of the first one, but also borrowing. I think there are some good ideas here. The idea of being able to pull somebody into a dream. I, th I think that that could be useful. Yeah. But the, 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 the sequel that I thought of is a twist on the first thing where you, she was pulling Freddie out of her if, dream. Yeah. If you can do one, you can do the other. Yeah. So what, what I came up with was that rather than aging her six years past the first one, that even if you, this is also forgetting the second one, whether you made this in 1985 when the second one came out or 87 when this one came out, either way, have Nancy be whatever age that is, which in the first one, they're still in high school. So she's probably, if you'd make it a year later, she's 18, 19, 20, 21, whatever, but it, she's not an adult yet. Yeah. So it, the the movie would open in a dream um, with Nancy, and she's scared. Uh, Freddie is nowhere to be found, but you can tell that she's tense and, and anticipating something. And then maybe, maybe you get the slightest screech of a glove, like very, very d difficult to even discern if that's what you're hearing or not. And then you know, her just anticipating him coming at any time. And then maybe a little bit of that, like, <laughs> like laugh or whatever. And then she wakes up and she's in a psychiatrist's office. Okay. And, you know, the psychiatrist says, you know, something to the effect of like, you know, was, was it Freddie again? And she said, yes. And he's like, look, you know, Nancy, I, you and I have been working together for a year now. You are smart. You are intelligent. You have everything going for you. The only thing that's holding you back is this obsession with Freddy Krueger. And I understand that you went through a severe 
series of, of trauma with the death of, of your friends, the murder of your friends and the death of your mother. But um, if we could just get past this, then, you know, the, the world could be your oyster and you could do anything you wanted to do. And so she's still holding on to, to Freddie. Yeah. But, but he's not appearing anywhere in her dreams. Okay. Just, there's just feeling him. So then it would be, I, I realized that maybe we had to do the pulling into the dreams thing. So she would say something like, well, you know, cause you know, she's like, well, why can't you just believe me? And he would say, you know, look, I'm, I'm a man of science. I just, th- there's nothing that I can do to, to give credit to what you're saying and, and still maintain my professional integrity. And she said, well, she could say, well, what if there's something outside of science? And, you know, he could kind of take a moment. And, you know, she's like, or she could say, like, I could prove it to you. You know, if, if you could just be in this dream and, and I know that he's there, I know I can feel him. I can feel him like close. And if he kind of took a breath now, I know you got to go with me a little bit on uh-huh. this one, but if he said like, you know, I, I know I have a friend from grad school. Um, and when I read your intake papers, uh, you had mentioned the the connection to dreams that the the Balinese culture has, and I had never heard anybody talk about dreams like that since this uh, roommate of mine from from grad school. And make that friend from that area, yeah, also a man of science, but grew up in this culture of you know supernaturalists, and he and the the psychologist could say. If I can, if I can reach out to him, and if he's willing to do this, um, there is a completely discredited exercise in trying to have a group hypnosis and um, a, a joint consciousness that was abandoned in the late '60s. But you know, if if he's willing to conduct this for us, if if when I go into your dream and there is no Freddy Krueger, will you then please? work with me on just putting this to rest. And so she and the psychologist go meet with this guy. Maybe he's got a lot of gravitas. I don't know what people from Bali look like, but <laughs> right. like maybe like a, even if it was like a, a dentist done from a, like um, big trouble in little China, like okay. somebody, you know, somebody who's younger, but earnest, you know, and so the, that gravitas and everything. And then she goes into the dream with the psychologist. He's in the dream. He can't like, oh my God, you know, I'm I'm actually here. It worked or whatever. And then Freddie comes, kills him. And then, you know, she says, you know, something to the effect of, you know, like I turned my back on you or whatever. And all he has to say is like, I got over it. Like, you know, <laughs> like he doesn't have to say much, but, but you know, then he could say like uh, something to the effect, like she does, says in this movie, like, did you think that you were the only children of Elm street? And then he could cut to like kind of an opening up and like the other kids on that street. So then we go into our movie, which is, Freddie going into the dreams of the other children on Elm street, again, borrowing from a little bit of this, Yeah. but Nancy living on the street. Now, maybe some of the parents aren't real big fans of Nancy, like stay away from that girl down the street or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, but you could bring in some younger kids. We're still on Elm street, Yeah. you know, and, and, it, but yet we have a way to like get into each other's dreams and that sort of thing. But I think, but my point is, is that, you don't go too far off the grid. Yeah. 
you keep it on Elm Street, just like Nightmare or just like Friday keeps it in well, the camp. But the Elm Street is just where Nancy lived. It's not like the murders took place on Elm Street. Elm right. Street is only uh, iconic to us because it's in the title of the movie, right? Like it's supposed to invoke this suburban, you know, oh, a nightmare where you're safe. It's like the Halloween idea, yeah. right? I mean, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. And I think that is cool. I think that is cool. I just think that but I think the dreams themselves are the camp. Yeah. Right. Like, it's not like in later movies, Freddy is actually a real guy now and is out doing stuff. Like, right. it's always about the dreams. Yeah. But but you there you are so at liberty with a dream that, yes, it can feel like. You know, every dream is not the camp, right? Like, yes, and no, and I'm. You make a great point about that. That the that the dreams are the home base that we keep coming yeah. back to, regardless of where you are. And that's what makes dreams unique is that it can you can get back to that home base from anywhere. So I'll I'll give you that. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is I think at least in maybe some earlier sequels you could have played it a little closer to the first to the source material. Sure. Okay. And that you know we have a even if she's not a you know, 17 year old in high school that maybe she's just, you know, a 19 or 20 year old still wrestling with this, still dealing with it. And, um, and the fact that Freddie was gone, but not really dead. The kind of like what I was alluding to earlier that like, we don't really know if Freddie's dead or not. Right. And the fact that he was just kind of waiting and like, maybe that's what happens that, you know, when she's in the dream with her psychologist or psychiatrist to say where, you know, he's, they're kind of standing around like, where is he? And, you know, she's like, well, what do I do? And he, maybe he says, call out to him, like, let yourself be afraid, like give in to the fear again. Ooh. And then he shows up yeah. like behind, you know, um, you know, th th I think that that would be cool and that we're still we could at least have one more movie that isn't just a straight up remake of the first one, but that we're just still have that vibe. Right. Where we're still in we're still in suburban houses. We're still running down streets. We're still hiding behind bushes. We're still like in a small town, you know, wherever it is. Yeah. And um, so I, I think that we could have maybe grown. I get you. Go. I like that. Yeah. Because now you can expand the neighborhood, right? So like the the your dream world playground area while still the street, you know, maybe some kids got a tree house. You incorporate that somehow, yeah. you know. Sure. Set up, set up a, a system that Nancy had done in her house, like some, you know, home alone kind of thing. Set that up in the dream world. You're right. Oh, that's yeah, no, I like that. Yeah. I like that. No, that that's cool. And I think that, yeah, you could just, I guess there's just a little bit more water to wring out of the towel when it comes to being right there in the neighborhood. Yeah. With other kids. And the thing is, like, you might say to yourself, like, yeah, but are we really going to care about these other kids? Well, let's face it. As much as I love them, it's not like the characters in the first film were that... <laughs> you know, perfectly defined, you right. know, I mean, we could get to like some, some other people. That's yeah. just, that's all in casting. That's all in finding somebody that just, just like we're talking about with Larry Fishburne as he's uh, credited, uh, yeah, yeah. credited as Larry. Um, you know, you can find new characters. I do think it was after boys in the hood. He started going as Lawrence. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It <laughs> sounds better. Um, but, uh, but no, I mean, I, I think that, I think that there are other steps and this is, this all goes back. I mean, if Wes Craven is hearing this for wherever he is, um, he's probably just like, yes, 
That's what I was saying the whole fucking time. Like, can we just, well, either way, don't do a franchise. Or if you are going to do one, keep it dark. Keep it scary. Keep him uh, the the word that I saw that really stuck with me was vulgar. Yeah. Like, you know, keep Freddie a bad man. Yeah. You know, um, and that's I kept kind of waiting in this movie. I think the thing, the the one thing that was missing and now that I'm thinking about it or, or what I was kind of hoping for was some sort of cohesive reason why these kids had all kind of been funneled in together. Because um, it's, you know, and I know it's for to add suspense, but. Freddy Krueger both seems like the most powerful thing and so not powerful in a dream. Like if he was that powerful, why, why do the thing where it's like, Oh, I'm just kind of cut you one time. Like just fucking kill the person or I'm going to make it look like this person ha- is trying to uh, unalive themselves. Um, like I was kind of hoping for Yeah. Like he has somehow fucked with all these kids to now funnel them all together into one place for whatever end goal. Like, Oh, actually I found out like the more, you know, concentrated you are, the more powerful I become or for, for whatever reason, but it just kind of seemed like a plot, you know, plot device. No, you're right. He was in that first movie. He's killing people pretty efficiently. Yeah. Um, like he's either killing them in a way that it can look like they were murdered or that they, you know, that they committed suicide, whatever it may be. But, um, but it was with the exception of Johnny Depp's death, because I don't really know how you explain that one, but, um, like his bed was made of water. Like how, (laughs) how does the slight, how does the absolute mincing of a human take place in water? But either way, that's fine. Um, but no, I, I see what you're saying. Like the, um, everything was a bit more plausible. Yeah. And well, uh, also in this movie, I don't remember the second one, if it had this problem, but like in this movie. Because, you know, Freddy's whole thing is like, oh, if he cuts me in my dream, I'm cut in real life. Yet, just in moments of convenience, like when he cuts a guy on all of his limbs and pulls his veins out, that guy's not cut in real life at all. Great point. And you and what's even more articulated. And by the way, a really if I can say this just from an effect standpoint, really nice wrist slash by uh, Patricia Arquette (laughs) in the bathroom. And but why would they do that? Why would the first scene be showing a reality reason why that cut is happening? Right. And then the cuts when they are happening in the dream come sometimes, but not always. Right. That doesn't make sense. Also, again, uh, the supernatural and its fascination with plumbing uh, <laughs> never, ever ceases to amaze me. It's like if there's a sink in a horror movie. <laughs> This entity is going to find a way to use it. Um, But uh, so we get some of that, too. Uh, No, I think that um, I don't know. I mean, we're talking about money. We're talking about what people are liking. We're talking about what's testing well. Yeah. And And those are the answers I know. Right. You know, but from an from an artistic integrity standpoint, I think that. There is an alternate universe of nightmare sequels that are equally terrifying, equally scary, equally, um, I don't want to say mean spirited, but kind of. Yeah. Like, I mean, like really, really um, vengeful and dark. And that's uh, that's something I would have liked to have seen more of. But then again, maybe maybe if they wouldn't have been so fantasy and humor laden, maybe we wouldn't be talking about them as much as we are today. True. I, I don't know. 
it is what it is. And maybe I ought to go back rather than just sort of judging from a distance. Maybe I should go back and watch some of those other sequels. (laughs) Not that we have to cover them here, but um, you know, just to, to pick out the good there. Look at, at the end of the day, this is, is the most imaginative franchise horror franchise there ever will be uh, i mean saw comes up with some cool kills yeah but i mean like as far as concept i mean hellraiser's got a guy with cds in his face <laughs> so well that's true yeah good point there um yeah hellraiser <laughs> i had forgotten about that for a second um but no i uh I, as far as this movie goes if if we're really cutting it down to what it is that we're here to talk about i enjoyed watching this movie i enjoyed the performances i don't think it's anywhere near the caliber of the first one but i think that i did have a note somewhere in my three different notebooks here that says this is how you do sequels yeah and i wrote it kind of earlier in the in the movie than than later but um i think they were doing some things right yeah um, and so I like it. I, I do like this movie. It's the best of the sequels. Okay. I'd say that probably recommend from you then. I, yeah, it is. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I recommend it. I love this movie. It's probably the one I've seen the most. It's the one that started my obsession with this franchise. Probably. Uh, I, I just remember like obsessively watching the trailer as many times as I could, like anytime it was on, I would watch it. I had so many questions and there was some kid at school that was like, yeah, my brother took me to see it. And I was just like, okay, when she falls into the chair, where does she go? Like what happens there? Uh, you know, and he's like, oh, she falls into that tunnel. And I'm now after watching, I'm like, that kid. Didn't right. Yeah. You didn't know movie. what the fuck he was talking about. Uh, he just, just giving me another part of the trailer. That's a good trailer though. A now that I trailer, think about it. Yeah. 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 Hard to find too. Yeah. Also hard to find this movie. Could not just buy. I was, Going to try and get this on Blu-ray. Uh, you can get a Blu-ray with all seven movies on it, which I'm sure the quality is stellar when you cram seven movies on Oh, one dear. And I was like, well, okay, I guess so. And then it was like, we'll arrive in one to two months. It's <laughs> like, what yeah. the fuck is After this? we make it. Yeah, how yeah. hard is... Uh, like, isn't this a celebrated That's franchise? bizarre. Yeah, very weird. Okay. Um. But yeah, this, I mean, I love this movie and it was crazy because I, I was, it was kind of a nice thing because there was a lot of stuff I had forgotten from it. So it was both a nostalgic watch and like I was watching it for the first time. Yeah. No, I, I, I would, I experienced the same things. And uh, I think that it, at the end of the day here, we have to remember like what, what's the viewing experience supposed to be for these movies. And it, and it is supposed to be engaging. It is supposed to be scary. It is supposed to be freaky. And I think this movie touches all that stuff. Yeah. You know, um, honestly, the spookiest stuff might be the nun stuff, like where she's just hanging out there in the distance. Like she's very ghostly and does it. And I, I don't even mean that jokingly. Like it's, it's really affecting, um, I th- I think that you really for for however long we've gone here I think that you really nailed you really oh you really nailed it when you talked about expanding the universe but capping it at a certain point and yeah. and I think that this movie knows when to cut it off and that some of the sequels didn't yeah so for that reason yeah I I recommend the hell out of it sweet yeah all right. Well, I think we covered everything. God. <laughs> right? Yeah. Did I have anything? No. Sparkle John Saxon. 
Oh yeah, because John. Yeah, I think we started saying that John Saxon dies, and then Nancy sees him in the dream when he comes down in this gold sparkle, and then it's actually Freddie, and he stabs her, kills her. She's dead. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, that happened. That happened. Um, oh, also cheapest fucking uh, movie title, like literally just a swipe fade that brought the movie title on at the beginning of the oh, movie. Yeah, right. It's so bad. Yes. Also, and then we end with the song Dream Warriors by Dokken. Yeah. Which, which is if, also awful. And I was just reminded this, you know, when I say I hate the 80s, like, of course, there were things I enjoyed from the 80s. But the um, popularity of songs that sounded like Dream Warriors from bands like Dokken. Yeah. Just fucking blew my mind. I could not understand <laughs> How anyone found that appealing. And in retrospect, I feel validated. Yeah. Because well, it's not like anyone is like, hey, you know who actually slaps docking? <laughs> well, and if even if you look at the lyrical content, it's yes. like, you know, dream warriors ain't gonna dream no more. <laughs> like, you don't sound like much of a warrior there, right, yeah. Mr. Dokken. Fight warriors, I'll never fight again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Just... um I don't want to say dream pussy, but I mean, like, that's what it's sounding like, Mr. D. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> is that the guy's name? You no, know, Mr. Well, his name is Dokken. Oh. His last name is Dokken. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. So it's like Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> but no, you're right. That song. But the, here's the thing about it, though. You'll be humming the fuck out of it for the next week after you watch the movie. Mm, debatable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 3, The Dream Warriors, a quick, quick episode. Tim. Yes. Let's roll the die. All right. Let's see. Hopefully, we only have to do it one, because we don't want to fucking drag this out anymore. Here we go. And we have yet. Oh, 15. Oh, Tim. Yes. You're going to be excited, Tim. Oh, fuck yes. All right. Please join us next week. As we continue our series, Evil Dice Tonight, with the 1987 sequel, Evil Dead 2. Oh! Uh, I can't uh, believe we haven't done this movie I know. Yet. We've this, only done one. We've done the remake. This is, That's it. This is the movie that, like, uh, when we first started this show, I thought was going to be in the first five movies. Right. Easy. <laughs> but it was always kind of like, because we always had it in the chamber, like, the like, oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah. Here we are, nearly, what, close to 200 episodes later, we haven't done motherfucking Evil Dead 2 uh, We're going to now. And holy shit, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, one of my absolute fucking favorites. I can't wait. Yeah. So that'll be next week. It'll be a, in a post-Barbenheimer world. I'm excited. Maybe the last two movies that will ever come out. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh. But no, I uh, I can't wait. I mean, this is... And, and this... What, what's fun about Evil Dead 2, real quick, though, is that um, it's bo- it's a movie that... Even if whether I saw it first or not, like we t- we've talked about this movie since high school. Yes. So that oh, yeah. that rules. Yeah. Specifically, a one example of ADR, which we'll I'm sure get to. <laughs> Kurt Russell's favorite line. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He made him say it. <laughs> oh, did he really? Yeah. I oh. forget what movie they were working on, and I'll say it now. Yeah. But he's just like, "Hey, nice to meet you. Will you do me a favor? Can you just say work shed?" <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. 
If you have no idea what we're talking about, <laughs> you and before will. the next show, by God, watch Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Please. You don't need to watch the first one if no. you haven't seen no. it. Evil it's Dead like 2. watching the first one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but better. They essentially remade their own movie. Yeah. yeah. But better. Okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah, join us next week. Um, check out our website, slumberpodcastmassacre.com. Shoot us an email, slumberpodcast at gmail.com. Check out our LinkedIn page. Check out our TikTok page. Um, a huge thank to our patrons. You help make the show possible. We could not do it without you. Thank you so, so much. No matter how much you give. <laughs> uh, no matter who you are. No matter who you are and how much you give, we love all of you equally. Um. So yeah. <laughs> yeah go ahead. Go ahead. Next week yeah. for Evil Dead Two. Tim, do you got anything else to say about Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three: The Dream Warriors? Only that I'm really excited for us in a, in an enlightened day and age that we didn't say bitch as much as I thought that Dude, we would. Dude, totally. Yeah. Yeah. We avoided it. We did. So. Bye, bitch. Bye, bitch. Bye.